Jason takes Manhattan. LL Cool J's hat is like a shark's fan, and Adam Sandler is funny again. This week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly chronology of what happened 30, 20, and 10 years ago. That would mean uh, right now. We're in season four, and that means we're in 1989, 1999, 2009. We'll be talking about what came out in the, in the field of movies, TV, uh, video games, newsishness, and other stuff uh, in, the, in the week period of July 26th through August 1st. So sit down, open three little portals to three different decades. And uh, yeah, for, if you're like me, I always say this helps, really helps me organize. I can remember what I was doing by what I saw and what aired on television. Mm-hmm. I didn't keep, I didn't keep a... Brett Kavanaugh-style calendar of what was happening in my life. I don't know when I was working out with Squee unless I could remember the Family Ties episode that aired the day before. So that's sort of how the show works. Uh, get ready for, a, well, just a bunch of bad television and video games. Television tragedy, I'll say, like in the very first segment. We don't have a Kids in the Hall premiere this week, sadly. Uh, but some uh, excellent summer movies. Uh, so stay yes. right there, people. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? The Witch of Burkittsville, Diana Goodman. It's me, Sarah. The only person who loves funny people? Nope. Oh, good. Nope. I think yes. it's, I think it's it, like Kevin Smith, it's one of those things that's cool to hate. And it's like... Okay, good. That makes me feel better. That was also at a time where there was much less shit and like, I don't like one-eighth of the movies out this week. Well, how do you feel about one-sixty of the movie? I don't have time to think about movies I don't care about. You don't have to hate anything anymore. It's neat. It's really freeing it's to really not neat. have to hate media. There's no time. Like, there's no time. When, the, yeah. when one movie came out every week, I get it. You yeah. hate it. Uh, but that's we're not there anymore. Netflix released 17 things since I started this sentence. And it's, there's plenty of stuff for everybody. That's for real. Adam Sandler is in four of those things. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Murder Mystery 5 uh, is happening right now. But but hold on, people. This is 302010. We have to start with 1989, July 26th through August 1st. And, of course, there's a bunch of news that only Diana will have a bunch of context for because she put it here, and I don't remember any of this shit. Well, I keep I keep going to look for news. Excuse me, especially for like 89. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, there's got to be something. It's just like, what was people talking about? What was on People Magazine? And I end up finding like two of the goofiest news stories ever. Mm-hmm. So one, it's worth mentioning uh, on July 26th, federal grand jury indicts a Cornell student uh, named Robert Morris for releasing a computer virus. And that makes him the first person prosecuted under the 1986 Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Oh, wow. It's basically the first worm got launched. Ah, and if, yeah. Well, at least the first Remember, person who got caught for it. There isn't a World Wide Web yet. Yeah, let alone a task oh force, a task force <laughs> to seek these people out and prosecute them. Mm-hmm. Right. And wow. Um, and then, oh my God, I where is the movie about this story? July twenty seventh. I double checked. It is the Guinness World Record holder for the longest prison sentence of all time. <laughs> In Thailand, financial scammer Mei Chamoy Thipyaso, who stole about 200 to $300 million in a Ponzi scheme, is sentenced to 141,078 years in prison. Ooh. And I'm guessing served, how many, uh, like time served that, that comes out to 120 hours, 20,000 hours? How much yeah, did she no, serve? she served eight. Oh, served eight. <laughs> eight years. Not sneezing at eight. 141,070 years good behavior. I mean, at that point, you're just putting a hat on a hat. Did she get Did she get to keep any of the money? Because, like, I don't know. It takes free rent for eight Maybe. years, so I got to keep, like, $2 million out of the 200. 
What? For eight that's years? A that's a long time. Like eight years is long. Not for me anymore. Like they just at least a million dollars a year. Yeah, I have paperwork I haven't done in that in like two years. <laughs> uh, but oh Jesus, they they should put her under the prison for a summer or two. Or two. Uh, wow, Guinness Book of World Record. Long, she should be a rapper. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Think of the street cred. It's I like, know. oh, you got four life sentences. I got like fourteen thousand life sentences. Yeah, I got a one forty k bitch. Uh, but let's take it to the movies of nineteen eighty nine, July twenty sixth through August first. I don't like that I had to talk about this right off the bat. It bothers me a lot. Uh, Jason Daggett, Scott Reeves, Barbara Bingham, Peter Mark Richmond in the worst Jason movie of all time, Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. The city. Give me a mic. That has seen it all. Ain't seen nothing yet. Welcome to New York. Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, Rated R. Oh, God, this movie, this is the first Jason movie I ever saw. It is the longest Jason movie ever made. It's the most expensive Jason movie ever made, and it's Mm. the worst. Would you say Jason takes Manhattan in this film, or would you say Jason kills people on a boat and then shows up in Times Square for five seconds? It should be called Jason Arrives in Manhattan, Mm. eventually, like, in a very circuitous route, because, like, this doesn't make any sense. It's a... When you go to New York, you don't take a boat? (laughs) Well, it's... I'm not... I don't take a teenage prom cruise ship that like goes down somewhere in a river and and they all end up in Manhattan. It I don't hmm. it's very difficult to pinpoint where I they mean, are. I'm not good with geography, but <laughs> it just doesn't jibe with me. And there's like a, oh there's a couple shots of Manhattan, but most of this is not Manhattan. And no. it is fucking terrible. Even for a Friday 13th movie, like the entire cast is unlikable. It is mm. and I think I think most of the Friday 13th movies like had they're like holdovers from the 70s and they all sort of felt like this. This one is like excruciatingly 80s. Mm. It's like the only one that feels like that. But yeah, we we revisited this and you can listen to the episodes we made for Elm, an Elm Street Nightmare Season 2, which was all about Friday the 13th. The mm. first season was all about uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street on patreon.com slash laser time in addition to a bunch of other stuff. That is, we, we went through every single Friday the 13th except for the remake. And Jason... Mm. Uh, Jason goes to heck and uh, Jason X those are much maligned I still think they're more enjoyable than this fucking piece of shit it is Whoa. terrible it's Whoa. terrible and, it, and I have fond affection for it it's the first Friday 13th movie I've ever, I ever saw I feel like this is such a trend with you mm-hmm. of seeing the worst part mm-hmm. of a franchise <laughs> the first time I feel like I've heard you say this many times no, yeah I, I think what people regard as the worst nightmare in Elm Street, I, I, I caught there. Yeah. My first alien movie was Alien Resurrection. Yeah. Like, I just. Oh, my, you uh, saw Caddyshack 2 first. I love Caddyshack 2 love more it. than the first. And my uncle built the house in the first one. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> He's a bunch of. <laughs> Is he it had, just like there's, there's just a little bit there that gets you excited, and then it's all up from there? That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Well, I, I think the, the movie is, and even the trailer is based on the promise of like, whoa, Jason's going to. Leaving the sleepaway camp of like uh, Connecticut and going into the big city. And it's really all a ruse because it's all on a fucking boat. Mm. And then, and then he just basically kills. There's like one of the weirdest rape heroin scenes I've ever seen in my entire life by this oddball depiction of what inner city life. These Canadians thought existed in 1989. (laughs) It's, it's, it's such a strange movie when they do get to Manhattan. It's kind of fun. Is that, I mean, 
definitely a dude walking around in a hockey mask is just not as scary in the streets of Manhattan. You could, there's, I mean, you, could, you heard the. <laughs> Maniac's actress. Welcome to New York. Right. I, New remind, New York. I, there's like a little scene where it looks like he's on a subway. Like, uh-huh. where's Bernie Getz when he could actually be useful? <laughs> I think there's a reference to Bernie Getz. I'm in the sure film. there is. Everyone was into Bernie Getz. And man, he takes out a cop, and the cop, and the cop's like, "Hey there, stop or we'll shoot." And like, this guy could not be more Canadian cop. <laughs> Because like there's like two or three big shots in Manhattan itself, and most of it is like clearly Vancouver or some yeah. other adja- cheaper adjacent city. Uh, but I, I just don't have anything. It has a really fun kill where mm-hmm. Jason, a guy like punches Jason until he can't anymore. The badass, uh, uh, the badass athlete, and then Jason just punches his head off. That was one of the coolest kills in Friday Thirteenth history. That's not bad. But, but other than mm-hmm. that, like it's it's except I remember specifically uh, just when you're a little kid and you are subjected to something like this I probably shouldn't have watched it uh, that someone is killed with a hot stone so every time I see hot stone, hot stone he puts a hot stone through someone's sternum in a sauna why is it so oh I see it yeah. from a sauna I was mm-hmm. like why is it so hot I don't understand so at some point he hangs out in a spa is what you're telling me it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> sipping a little cucumber water that's doing what a little murder in it, that, He's got a towel and a mask they just chose a boat to put teenagers on like why are they here prom their prom is multi-day and palatial, and also there are seven students. Like, like, they're... I'm sorry, I'm imagining Jason lying at the spa with the mask on and the cucumber slices are on top of the mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm imagining... Someone please draw that for me, like TV style. I would love that. I like a glass of like fruit-infused water, but the straw is going through one of the holes in the mask. <laughs> uh, it also, like, I remember for a long time, I thought, yeah... New York has toxic waste running beneath its uh, streets every single night because this movie told me that. And, that's and how so they did Ghostbusters Jason. too. Right. Yeah, we just I, saw that. I yeah. saw it with my own eyes. Wow. It tried to bite that baby. Man, New York should have sued. Like, I really didn't hold that in my head for a long you know, time. I don't think they were hurt too much from it. <laughs> I guess not. Didn't, didn't hurt People tourism. seem to still be into it. Yeah, they're not going to, it's not like we're going to shoot Good Morning America somewhere else. Uh, okay, but, just, but uh, on the brighter side, briefly, uh, a. One of my favorite Studio Ghibli movies is out this week, and ugh, I, Kiki's Delivery Service. Presenting a very special animated movie only on video, Kiki's Delivery Service. You'd think they'd never seen a girl on a broomstick. She's a teenage witch with a very special talent that will sweep you off your feet. Kiki's Delivery Service, flying on the video September 1st, rated G. I, okay, I could... I, I, September 1st, like 1998. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, this is the Japanese release date and it only came to video in the US and it only came 9 goddamn years later. But wow. and it, it came because of Disney because Disney um, yep. made it a point like no, these guys are fantastic. We want to be involved with Studio Ghibli. And Studio Ghibli in the past, makers of Totoro and Spirited Away, they had yep. been burned by uh western distributors, people who would mm-hmm. make cuts in their movie or not localize things correctly. Uh, and and so this was of all people, they they partnered with the biggest animation company in the West who agreed to not touch their shit and give them a much bigger voice cast than they could ever hope to get. And I, one of my favorite people in the world is Phil Hartman, and he practically ruins this movie. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just the wrong voice for this cute little cat, Gigi. I think that's oh, funny. Oh, God, Kiki. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, but, but other than that, Kirsten Dunst is fantastic in it uh, as Kiki and Janine Garofalo, uh, as you, you'll see later on. 
Uh, it's a pretty good localization, but it's like it, it predates Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away and all those other things that Disney eventually got three theatrical releases for. They made a huge push for this on VHS it, and they put a bumper on it. That's even the Disney VHS guy. Right, Kids yeah, of the 80s I and re- 90s will I recognize, definitely recognize that guy. So it, it just super high profile. And I, I can't imagine I was exposed to anything by Studio Ghibli before this. Mm-hmm. And it's such a magical film. A little witch who gets a summer job. And it's Aww. it's fantastic. If you have not seen Kiki's Delivery Service, it is it is wonderful. If you have a little boy or especially a little girl, Kiki's Delivery Service will murder them with with good feelings. Hey. Um, <laughs> that's why you, I don't I get like box blurbs. Yeah, this is this is one of my gaps in my Hayao Miyazaki what? knowledge because, uh, as I've said many 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 times, I fucking hate anime. I just can't. I've tried I've tried so hard to just appreciate it on its own terms, and there's just something about the style. I can't stand, except you'll, for Miyazaki movies. You'll love this. You will absolutely love this. I'm sh- I'm sure I will. Everything else I've seen by Miyazaki, you know, from Porco Rosso to Mononoke to, I mean, Spirited Away is, is a goddamn masterpiece. Um, Wind Rises was great. Uh, I haven't seen Ponyo, and I haven't seen this. And that's um, and I think Ponyo we get to talk about soon. And my neighbor's the Yamadas, as we spoke about a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's well, um, that was Ghibli, but it's not Miyazaki. It's not Miyazaki, yes. Yeah, um, there is a difference. It's sort of, but I think they're all they're they're all done sort of the same way. Whereas like Disney mm-hmm. will workshop a story over and over again for years and years and years. These guys just kind of storyboard stuff and mm-hmm. like almost yeah. improvise and like see where they go. And it, yeah, it, a lot, I feel like there's a lot more care. I feel like mm-hmm. Miyazaki puts a lot more care into story and tone than so much other anime, which I just hear uh, screaming and, and flashing mm-hmm. lights and giant eyes. And, uh. and they, Well, they just don't mind being whimsical and in in mixing it with melancholy. And, and there's not yeah. a ton of that in Kiki. I think it's probably why Disney really rallied behind this. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not like a... a a, a, a difficult a Western cell is Nausicaa. It's it's a pretty simple story. A witch in what appears to be France. But Kiki Kiki's delivery service is a dude. Dude, if you like animation, not even saying anime. If you got little kids, they are gonna gonna love this film. It's really cool. Uh, but the next film, I think kids were supposed to like it. But even I, as like an undiscerning yeah. little kid, was sort of like. Is this stupid? Like, is, like <laughs> yes. if, if Tom Hanks wasn't in this, would this be like legit terrible and worth bearing forever? Oh, I think so. Yes. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. This is when I look at this movie, which is number one at the box office somehow, uh, I'm reminded, oh, we had Big not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Why is it we had to like, why was everyone like, Tom Hanks doesn't have a career in League of Their Own and brought it back? Yes, yeah, because of shit like Turner and Hooch. Turner mm. and Hooch. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't even be saved by a coach and Carl Winslow. Uh, oh. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson, Reginald, Reginald Bell Johnson, Mayor Winningham, and Tom Hanks. And Turner and Hooch, it's unfortunately number one this week. From Touchstone Pictures, Scott Turner led a neat and orderly life. Then he inherited Hooch. No, stop! Now his orderly life has become a disaster. What are you doing to this dog? Just for a while. Tom Hanks is Turner. Oh, that's it. I'm getting my gun. And his new roommate is Hooch. Don't eat the car. I got the car. Turner and Hooch. We've known each other for a while now. Are you aware of, of your drooling problem? Rated PG. Uh, most people don't know that uh, Tom Hanks was Hooch. No, I, I, <laughs> trying trying to muster up any trivia for this. Just uh, wait. I, I thought this. Is, he's a cop, right? And that's yes. his yeah. partner. Yes. Okay. It's not canine. I was gonna say that's Shin Belushi. Feel like we seem to. We had a couple months ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's weird. Uh, except this one, the, I mean, the dog is kind of a witness to a crime. I think his, I think Hanks' partner like gets murdered and then he takes his friend's dog, but the friend's dog saw who did it. And then there's both wackiness of this giant drooling gross Jesus. dog and like, wow, he helps him track it down and stuff. And hey, can I spoil the movie? Because yes. it, it needs a trigger warning. That dog dies. Stop. <laughs> I did not yeah. Heroically. remember that part. That dog gets shot. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Now I kind of remember this because I remember. By Tom Hanks to get the Infinity Stone. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember this now, like when I was a kid watching this at my grandparents' house. And I remember it made me feel very sad. And I was like, why? Mm. Why would that be? Mm. Well, now I know. Son of a... I think every American movie should end with somebody being shot. Anyway. I Turner mean, we're getting Hooch. there. Turner and Hooch. I don't know. You mean someone on screen, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Or, <laughs> or at least a crawl at the end that says they got married and were eventually shot. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, Turner, I don't have anything to say about that. Because like, I, I may have yeah. even seen this in the theater and like my whole family is like, we don't have to go to the movies, right? Like, <laughs> it's, oh, no kiki in our theater. God damn. Yeah. Uh and and but that's it for movies. For television, it's um something we could have deliberated forever on where to put it, but there is nothing else this week. Nope. And you could say the Jim Henson hour, kind of a I don't want to call it the most underrated thing Jim Henson put on television, because there really is something kind of half ass about it. Mm. It's mm. it's it's mostly a bunch of reused stuff, the Muppets in front of blue screens, uh, u- utilizing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. But it's no different than w- the magical shit I love that Walt Disney did on his Disneyland show back in the day. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. So last week we talked all about Mars with exclusive animation for an hour and the, of one of those rescued Nazis. In this episode, we're going to go behind the scenes on the millionaire dachshund for an hour. <laughs> so there was a little bit of that kind of nature to this. He's mm-hmm. shilling other stuff, limited use of the Muppets. And uh, but if th- I would say the silver lining, if you didn't live in England, this is how you saw episodes of the Storyteller, which I think right. pound for pound are, are might be the greatest thing Jim Henson was ever involved in. Those things are amazing. Every single yeah. episode is wonderful, mm. and this is how they premiered. And you might have missed this. It was the last episode aired, leaving I just can't believe this in a world, even in 1989, that they there is unaired Muppets and Storyteller stuff in the world set. NBC said no, we don't care, and and this would slowly. So I think they might have aired in the UK, but some of this stuff wouldn't mm-hmm. see the airwaves until five years later. Mm. I think Defunct Land just put up a, a video uh, exploring all of Jim, Jim Henson Hour. It is pretty fascinating. It's like kind of the one failure that he had on television because Jim Henson, while he was alive, had the golden touch, and this right before he died was kind of the one thing that failed big time. Mm-hmm. So the first season of the Jim Henson hour is, is cut short. You would eventually see like the secret lives of dinosaurs on Nickelodeon in 1993, four years later. That is technically an episode of the Jim Henson hour. If we didn't say, we said it in an earlier episode, you could, you couldn't even call it an anthology show. It was just, maybe there will be a Muppet segment. Maybe there will be sketches. <laughs> maybe there will be a behind, a, a behind the scenes thing that show you how the Jim Henson creature shop mm-hmm. makes stuff, which is fascinating for any kid or adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why that's why the first two trailers for the fucking Dark Crystal prequel for Netflix are all just behind the scenes stuff because that might be more interesting than showing you cuts of the film. Oh 
oh, yeah. in, in process. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like one of the few people who can do that. It's cool too if you look online. If I mean, mm-hmm. so, whoever put together the Wikipedia for the Jim Henson Hour entry oh, did a Muppet pretty Wiki good people. job because mm-hmm. it's great. They break down like every segment and like this is a behind the scenes segment. This is a music video. This is mm-hmm. the guest. Like it just if you are looking for a specific thing. Uh, this is one of those rare places where I feel like the Wikipedia is great. It like really breaks everything well, the, the down wiki, for you. Uh, the yeah. Muppet Wiki. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And, and, and if you missed this episode, it was called Garbage. Uh, it was a bunch <laughs> of garbage around the Muppet Vision Studios. Uh, you would have missed uh, somebody covering Oscar the Grouch's famous 1970 song, um, I Love Trash. And that was one of the most underrated singers of the early 90s, Katie Lang. Katie Lang yeah. is singing I Love Trash. Yay! Who doesn't like I Love so the I Love Trash song? Oh, God damn it. it. Uh, Jim, the Jim Henson legacy. I wish he didn't die so early, man. That that legacy should have lived a lot longer. They were very close to being another Disney because that's that's them covering another song they made twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's also incredibly famous. Anyway, I'll stop gushing over the Muppets and talk about the video games briefly because that gets pretty fascinating too. Uh, okay. Very fascinating. Well, first, uh, and this is big news now, but it wasn't then. The U.S. sees the release of Dragon Warrior. Uh, Dragon Warrior, as but Dragon Warrior is not how Japan knew it. It was called Dragon's Quest, and Dragon's Quest is one of Japan's biggest series. Fuck all series, get out! They have changed the. They had to change the days video games came out so kids wouldn't skip school to get the new Dragon Quest game. Wow! It was a huge game in Japan, but the U.S. the genre of RPGs wasn't really happening yet, and uh, and things hadn't gone over very well. Final Fantasy was not a huge hit over here. At this point, but Nintendo saw it sold two million copies over the last two years in Japan. That's huge. So they decided to take on the publishing efforts. They changed the name to Dragon Warrior and really gave it a a great campaign. Talked about it constantly in Nintendo Power, and the public still didn't bite. And I think if you're my age and you remember, they they made so many copies of this game. They eventually gave them away with subscriptions to Nintendo Power, like Hmm. a fifty dollar game. It was it was a big loss, and like, but now Dragon Quest is. Much more known in the West and much more beloved, and but it, it's just odd. The first it, that and that was where you ever hear that phrase, ladies. Uh, I hear Japan's on part nine when this game comes out here. The, Japan was about to release Dragon Quest four mm-hmm. when we got Dragon Quest one because mm. uh, we were way way behind. That's the world we were in at that point. Why do you think it didn't hit? Um, I think it required a lot of re. It just I remember playing games with your husband and even I like, and I was like. 13 and 14 it was like i don't really get what's happening here mm-hmm. like the active time battles like putting an arrow over someone attack defend like do it it's it it was too much for someone of my stupid age mm. but i was a little slower than most other people eventually i caught on but it was like it was a lot of reading and a lot of tactical stuff that uh. you that was sort of mm. beyond go right and dodge shit gotcha and and All i right. think i think that's why it didn't take up because over here like they marketed most Nintendo games as toys, where in, in, in Japan it was just a medium everybody engaged with. It gotcha. wasn't necessarily for kids. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and not that I don't think a kid can't love Dragon Warrior. They just it just played by different rules. The mm-hmm. entire RPG genre didn't catch on here for quite a while. It struggled for a while. 
And and that's not even the biggest thing that came out this week regarding Nintendo. We talked about it a little while back, but it's time for the U.S. to receive a new console. They said it wasn't humanly possible. (laughs) All the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable, it's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Game Boy comes complete with batteries and the outrageous new game, Tetris. And for head-to-head competition, use Video Link and blow your opponent away. Game Boy, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, portable power. Mm, so you want to talk easy to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A black and white Game Boy. Uh, damn Tetris. With Tetris. I mean, I like describing Tetris as outrageous. <laughs> it's definitely it, it was not. A, it was the time like Tetris had been out, but like not to not to the extent that the, the whole world knew its name. Okay, but like this helped launch the system. Like mm-hmm. I think the the, mm-hmm. the axiom that came out of the company was like, if you want to sell the Game Boy Nintendo fans, put a Mario game in because back then you had to pack it in with a Mario game. It's like if you want to sell this to everybody, put Tetris in. Of course, that and, makes sense. And it was. And it's what Nintendo has done this the whole time. And I love the complaints come up every time they announce a new system. It's not HD. It's 2006. Not Russia in the 80s. Uh, this, <laughs> this system only does 720 docks. The Switch sucks. It's so underpowered. The Nintendo, Nintendo has always sacrificed power and tech in, in terms of usability. Mm-hmm. So while the whole world... There had been other portable systems. There had been other sy- portable systems with cartridges that you could swap out. But they were expensive, and their batteries died in like five seconds. By making a black and white system, they launched a portable system for $80 with long battery life compared to anything else. And it, it warmed its way into the homes of people who didn't normally play games in a way that like not even home consoles did. It was it was magical. And like the Game Boy, I think two other systems outsold the Game Boy. Uh, the Game Boy outsold your Wii's, your PlayStation 4's, your Xbox 360's, even your NES and Super Nintendo. The Game Boy outsold them by like almost by more than double. I think it, it's like 180 million Game Boys are wow. out there. Its generation lasted over 10 years with like because they kept upgrading it with Game Boy Color and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But the, the Game Boy has an incredible legacy, and it's I don't know like it's I, you could I remember we like when are we gonna get a color system? But like. But the games still aren't as good as what's on the Game Boy. They're they're all really good. They're still all really good, despite being black and white and the worst aspect ratio ever. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, the Game Boy arrives in the United States. My parents wouldn't buy me one. Maybe your parents bought you one. Maybe there was one in nope. one of your houses. No. 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 I ate, no. I, re- I mean, we're, I was anti anti video game family. Same. Really? Yeah. It's a waste of time. Yep. I mean, I, I was too. I was too. I never had. I've never had a uh, video game system in my house. I know. I just. I dated two yeah. girls in in like high school, and like that was the console in their house. They didn't have anything on their TV. They mm-hmm. had a Game Boy with like three three games for road trips, that yeah. kind of shit. And perfect. like, yeah, perfect. Yeah. And, and you couldn't really say that. Like, it just didn't have the functionality for the average person. That mm-hmm. it had so much more functionality. I'm saying for the average person than a regular home console. Right. And and if you saw in the, in the commercial it's like well what does this portable game system do that other games don't like it comes with a link cable so if you both buy a game boy you'll both automatically have tetris and you can both play with one another through this link which is kind of like a huge multiplayer mm-hmm. how long did it take us to play to two players to play a game on their own screen after this it was a fucking while 
but mm. yeah, Game Boy, Game Boy blew it out of the water, let the world know what Tetris was, even though it did not invent it. Mm-hmm. And the game had come out on PC and even Nintendo at this point before this, but making it a pack in with this low price portable, like really, really set the table for what would be one of the most successful systems of all time. Wow. The Nintendo Game Boy. I think people still, I mean, obviously your moms and your grandmas are still going to refer to all video games as Nintendos. Of course, yes. But almost any time <laughs> so you, you see like a portable system, there's still a section of people who will call that a Game Boy. Oh, absolutely. That's accurate yeah. as well. And there hasn't been a Game Boy in like 15 years. And yeah. here we here we sit 30 years later after the launch of Nintendo's first portable system. They owned the portable market the entire time for the next mm-hmm. 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I would say here we sit where the portable market is is over but they just announced that new switch that doesn't have detachable joy cons and doesn't uh. dock with your TV. It's just a portable thing. It's oh. smaller. It's, uh, it's it's a Game Boy. It's a Game Boy. <laughs> it's 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 a Game Boy. Just like in the South, also it is Coke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and all right, I'm done with the Game Boy. Let's talk a little music of 1989. Uh, we got new releases from the Pogues. Peace and Love Ooh. is out this week. Um, Walking Hours, Waking Hours by uh, Delamitri. Can't Look Away by Trevor Rabin. Rabin? Uh, Tender Lover by Babyface and One by the Bee Gees. Toy Soldiers by Martika is still number one. Ooh, but we're going to close out this segment with Express Yourself by Madonna. Yes. This is on the charts this week. Fuck yeah, we oh, are. This because... song. <laughs> it's a great song. Besides that it is a banger and it's got like one of the best videos of all time. And it's fun at karaoke. It's fantastic. What is there not to like? If you don't like I mean, this song, I don't understand you. I think it's my... Oh, I like a prayer is so good. good. I like a prayer tell. is the only better song for me. <laughs> I think, I think this, I'm but this with has, you. This video, though, I think we got some David oh. Fincher on this video. Really? Yes. With the whole it feels metropolis, Fincher. underground, industrial city, and then the yep. people who live in the penthouse and walk around like cats or whatever. Ooh. I don't understand it, but it's cool. I think that, you know what? Now, next time we're drinking and watching music videos... I think that'll be my next go-to now that I can't watch Scream anymore. <laughs> it used to always be Scream. Oh, that's right. Ah, remember? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. That video's great. Uh, but we'll close out with Moderner, and we will be back in 1999. It's going to be a big movie time. It is summer, so what better time to make health and wellness a priority again? Are you looking for a way to maintain stress, sleep better, or have more energy? Well, Care Of may have what you need, and 302010 listeners can get 25% off their first Care Of order by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering code T3 at checkout. Care Of knows that vitamins, supplements, proteins are a great and simple way towards a healthier lifestyle. The trouble is with that, it's hard to know what you need to take, but that's why Care Of specializes in personalizing your experience and making it as easy as possible to find out specifically what you need to make you the healthiest. And Care Of also wants to make sure that what you're putting in your body comes from the best sources backed by honest guidance and transparency, and all of that is available on their website. Oh, and Care Of's website. All of this can seem wildly intimidating when you walk into like a vitamin store, but that's where Care Of's online experience makes everything super easy. 
Indeed. First of all, they make finding what you need very simple and fun with an online quiz that takes about five minutes. It asks you about your diet, health goals, lifestyle choices, and boom, you got your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. So if you got a little time this summer, why not try Care Of? And if you want to try Care Of, you should try it for 25% off. And 302010 listeners can do just that by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering code T3 at checkout. Once again, for 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter T3 at checkout. Coming in with Will Smith's immortal Wild Wild West. That can only mean it's 1999, July 26th, August 1st. Uh, Wiki Wiki. Is this a a bad song? Hmm. Well, remember, I thought it was. It's just him rapping over a Stevie Wonder song that's really good. Yes, with the worst chorus I think I've ever heard. We're going straight to the movie I'm in. <laughs> How long did that take to think of? Like, <laughs> and I, I don't know. I remember I, I mean, hated it at the time, then came back around and I hear it now. I'm like, this sucks. I mean, I think all Will Smith songs are pretty bad. No, no I'm, I, I was weaned on the teat of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I okay. love those. I love Will Smith music okay. for the most part. Well, no, but that's DJ Jazzy Jeff bringing the beats there. Yeah. Yes. The I'm rest of about- his solo career is in taking a wonderful song like Forget Me Nots mm-hmm. and then or just playing it in the background Islands while he says unrelated things. <laughs> yeah. I like the Men in Black song. That makes me very. It, that still makes me very happy. I think because I like the movie. Yeah. But since I don't like Wild Wild West, in fact, I feel the opposite of like about How Wild Wild West. How do you feel about just the two of us? Uh, I love it. <laughs> okay, I love it too. But ah. I have. <laughs> I also feel weird about that one part of the line where he's like talking about his, the whole thing's about son. But then he says, "But I will." touch that butt if you get out of line do you remember that line i do i do because it's uh, is he saying it's a I bill, will touch that bill withers song that's about a woman yeah and, and it's so, islands in the stream right uh no it's just no. just no. the two of us oh it's just it's the two of us, that's two right. of us. Mm-hmm. yeah and 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 he adapted it for for little Jaden. uh that's creepy yeah. and weird yeah. <laughs> adapted a love song for your child yeah uh all right all i still right. like it though no i still like it too uh, I'll take the Withers one, though. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, take the Withers, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, see, there's plenty of music to talk about. We don't have to, don't have to, don't have to sit here and crucify Will Smith uh, in, his, in his time of desperation as he's, he's, he's like made being, his first shitty movie. He's already being hunted by his younger self. That's true. That's <laughs> happening in theaters, possibly, see when you hear this. that trailer a bunch. Uh, yeah, there's some real bad temporary effects that I, that I hope are temporary in that trailer. Uh, hovering Will Smith face. Fix it. Uh, <laughs> new releases this week. Uh, Hot Boys have Guerrilla Warfare. That's out. Uh, Ignorance is Bliss by Face to Face. So me and your husband are happy. Mm-hmm. We're big Face to Face fans. I know. Uh, Till the Medicine Takes by Widespread Panic. The Verve Pipes self-titled uh, album. Yay. Oh, is this what The Freshman Ooh. is on? Hi, girl! No, it's... Or, that's, no. Yeah. Hi, no. girl! Is that... Is that that's not the Bittersweet Symphony, guys. That's the Verve. That's the Verve. Verve right. Pipe, though, they did the Freshman, right? They we did. were only freshmen? Hi, yeah. Oh, yes. Can't be held responsible. <laughs> yes, That's about can. abortion, right? I don't know. <laughs> don't look at me just because I've had all the abortions. <laughs> I mean, thinking, are you thinking Brick? No. No. I think it might no. also be about abortion. Brick uh, is also about abortion. No, but wait, no. I thought... 
I thought freshman was about killing someone in a hazing. Oh. <laughs> but it's like she was. T- <laughs> Sorry for laughing. I never got that. Piece. <laughs> I always thought it was about abortion. It, Maybe it is. Yeah. Actually, it probably is. <laughs> I'm Whatever. confessing to murdering this song. Hi, yeah. The writings on the wall by Disney's child. Not is about abortions. Yeah. N- not, at not, all. not a one. Not a one. Pay my no, abortion stop bills. Paying the bills, bills, bills. Yes, and also uh, saying my name. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Say okay. my name, say my name. Uh, which has several number one signals on it um, Beneath the Surface by Jizza and Staying Power, the 20th and final studio album by. Very white. Uh, <laughs> oh, baby. I just have <laughs> to, again, say The Writings on the Wall is an excellent album. Every song is good. Uh, I don't cool. have any album with Destiny Child music other than the Charlie's Angel soundtrack. Hmm. <laughs> Throw your hands up on me. So we did a laser time about mm-hmm. that a little while back. I, I forget. Maybe it was called like songs you didn't know were like inextricably tied to movies. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. one. Is it this segment? Uh, yes. No, thank God. It's next week. It's next week. But like, oh. yeah, that Destiny's Child, Charlie's Angel song, like, uh, I don't think you're ready. Independent Independ- Yeah, it, but then like, Part fine one. song. And then like, in the middle of it, there's like this yeah. s- plot specific shit about Lucy Charlie's Lou. Angel. <laughs> like, Cameron D. Like, forever yeah. that song is ruined by Charlie's Angel. It's true. Which, that, why, yeah. I don't know why we're not saying that about Wild Wild West, uh, but whatever. I just I like I we were both listening to it in a bar and like totally forgot that it was from a soundtrack. Even yeah, we knew, we thought t- we knew every word. Yeah. There's a talking interlude in the middle. It's fun. So, 1999. Uh, no, July- I definitely had that. I will say next week. I was already pulling quips for next week, mm-hmm. and yeah, getting the video for a song that uh, we are going to play. I think we should play multiple times. It's going to drive everyone nuts and forgetting. Oh shit! Yeah, it's got a movie tie-in thing with like a spoken word like skit at the front of it. Yep. Hmm. What am I talking about? It's a mystery, man. man. Mm. Uh, uh, somebody will bring it to our attention uh, before the before the next episode, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, all right, July 26th to August 1st in Movies, Twin Falls, Idaho. Man, that sounds boring. Uh, Michael uh, and Mark Polish. It's not. Yeah, we got we got three movies up top that I don't have trailers for either because there weren't any, or because we have a lot else to talk about but uh twin falls idaho uh stars these twins and they play conjoined twins and they go looking for their mom and it's like weird and like weirdly romantic and kind of sweet i i haven't seen it in 20 years but i liked it at the time what about broken vessels uh broken vessels is probably the best reviewed movie out of this bunch um Hmm. where it's it's about uh ambulance drivers one of them has a drug addiction so it makes me think of bringing out the dead dead. but um it also has like outstanding reviews because it's more about characters and less about crazy shit happening Mm. so broken vessels is uh every every time i end up finding something where it's like i don't have time to watch this i'm sorry and then i go back i'm like oh shit i know i want to watch it that Uh, is definitely true of two hands is it? I'm, I'm going to go watch this. Oh. Heath Ledger, Brian Brown, Rose Byrne. It's Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Yes. Um, Very Australian. Brian Brown is a crime boss, and Heath Ledger has to, like, he go transport some money for him, and then he loses the money, and then now Brian Brown's going to come and kill him. So, you know, we got a heist gone wrong kind of thing going on, but it's Australian. It looks very tense, and it won a bunch of Aussie awards, and uh, like I like every actor in it. So, fuck yeah. One of Didgeridoo Aussies. <laughs> so, all right, uh, uh, it's a dumb name though. That's my problem. Is two hands. Two it's hands. like 
I feel like that should be like a shitty mob boss's nickname. He's like Jimmy Two Hands. He'd still be sure. called Dos Manos. <laughs> and, uh, and That's a little better. So this, hey, look, here we have a movie here we have a commentary on. Full-length commentary right. with your pals at Laser Time and 302010, Deep Blue Sea, yep. baby. And also, hey, if, if you've seen any of these three movies and you want to go to the bathroom, please For put real. something in the comments. I feel bad that we're just blowing past them because we got to talk about Deep Blue Sea and how funny it is. So. Uh. Yeah, I yeah, because like I think we were having that argument recently with Lake Placid, was it? We just talked yeah, about Lake, Lake Placid. Lake Placid yeah. is self-aware. I'm not sure Deep Blue Sea is. Ooh, I think it. Yeah. I think it is. I do I think know. it is. Well, I mean, actually, yeah. How else do you put that scene of uh, Samuel Jackson getting murdered by a shark without being self-aware of what you're doing? You're subverting. Here? The expectations of whatever tropes they're playing in. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Well, yeah. And doesn't oh, well, Cool J say something about the black guy always getting killed? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And he's one of the only people who makes it out. Spoiler. Yep. And uh, as a big Rennie Harlan fan, he directed it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Jane, Michael Rapaport, Stellan Skarsgård, Ella Cool J, Sam Jackson, Saffron Burroughs in Deep Blue Sea. What we're attempting has never been done. She's leaving like a baby. You've seen sharks before. These three are the test sharks. Wow. But on July 30th... As a side effect, the sharks got smarter. You'll meet a whole new breed. It can do that? Bust through a steel door? Right. She screwed with the sharks, and now the sharks are screwing with us. Deep Blue Sea, rated R. My head is that full shark fin. Yeah, so uh, I feel so like this is based on the play by Terence Radigan, <laughs> starring Dame Peggy Ashcroft. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, based yeah, on the novel Push by Shark Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Deep Deep Blue Sea. I feel like it got lost because it like it had a straight to DVD sequel like last year, but because mm-hmm. over the the last twenty years, it's been. Re- totally reappraised and mm. quite beloved. Oh, we appraised the shit out of it last year during our Shark Week episode <laughs> where we watched a lot of shark movies. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my favorite episodes that we've done because I love shark, shark movies. movies. It's one of my favorite micro genres. And, uh, and I love this movie. I mean, it uh, is. You turned me around on it. As fuck. Because I, I don't know. I, like, I saw it on HBO a bunch, but I never enjoyed it that much until I watched it in 2018. Like, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I love how oh, stupid hey, it is. Tying stuff together, though, can I say? Uh, in 89, we had an album out by Trevor Rabin, and here he is doing the film score. Yeah. Well, there you go. Look at that. Yeah. Now I just, he's Mr. Film Score Guy. I love the stupidity. It, it's got to be self-aware, because you're mm. making these super smart sharks. Okay, the mm. conceit is that they're d- genetically engineering these super smart sharks for allegedly... Alzheimer's research uh-huh. um, right. and then is, this fucking shark will jog their memory yeah, <laughs> yeah but put stuff in the killing machines as opposed to I don't know rats or monkeys yeah there's some g- sciencey gobbledygook to explain why we're using sharks um, but then you make them super smart so now they're these super predators in this basically like flooding uh, substation in the ocean and yet they don't have hands or arms. So like they're still very limited by their shark bodies. Yeah. So like when you are a super smart apex predator, but you still don't have any kind of arms to do anything <laughs> with and you can only use your snout, how 
scary can you really be? <laughs> I guess is what well, I'm asking. You can you can grab a guy that's on like strapped to a gurney oh my God, and like yes. use him as a little battering ram. That's true <laughs> to taunt his friends and that lovers. One smart shark. Uh, yeah, that is a, one of my favorite parts. A page from Jurassic Park. Uh, but that's the thing. It's like Jurassic Park. Like you can see they're like using their little claws mm-hmm. to like open the kitchen door, and that is no, like, I felt chilling a, to watch. There's literally a scene in a kitchen. Yeah, with a super smart shark yeah. like the raptors. So like. I don't right. Know. Mm-hmm. And I, every time our cats learn to open our door, like <laughs> our, open one of our doors and we're like, I thought that was closed. I always say, clever girl, because they're learning. <laughs> but but the sharks, I mean, they don't have, it's, they just have their pointy snouts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like once you're out of the water, you're fine. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. that's why it's on like an underwater base that's sinking that they, they filmed, uh, or is it? They, they filmed it in the Titanic tank that they built down in Mexico, mm. which you'd expect that there's probably a run of water-based movies around this time, but this is kind of the biggest one. I'm like, well, yeah. let's get our money's worth out of that fucking tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after Waterworld, I wouldn't want to fuck with that again. And I mean, talking about <clears throat> portals, like I remember, I did not see this in the theater, but we rented it as a family and mm-hmm. watched it. And I still remember watching it with my parents. And when the Samuel L. Jackson death scene occurs, we all screamed, <laughs> all of us, because it's so shocking and surprising and fun. Yeah, try and forget it when you watch it. But like, it, I, I remember it. like it was in the trailer. Like it was one of the things like people wrote about in the review that Sam Jackson's death is awesome because yeah. you just assume he's going to be around till the end of the movie, right? And, yeah, and, and he's he, given a big inspirational speech. Speaking, and of, you're like, that's it. This is we're at our lowest moment at the end of Act Two and we're going to get together. Come on, guys. Get off your asses and let's go. We're going to... Roar. <laughs> Speaking of Jurassic Park tie-ins, Sam yeah. Jackson. I, like, hey. There you go. It's weird. It's like the oldest he's looked to in like the last 30 years yeah. in, the, in this movie. Uh, man, this is fucked up. Like, uh, I don't know how to talk about this. Heather Donahue, Michael C. Williams, Joshua Leonard. Those were big names for about 10 months around mm-hmm. this point. They were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh but that's because they were promoting a little film called The Blair Witch Project. In October of 1994, three student filmmakers arrived in Burkittsville, Maryland to interview locals about the legend of the Blair Witch. All I'm saying is that you got us lost. Uh, no, I know we're not lost. Oh, you knew that yesterday, too, and you knew that twice. Look, guys, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. We're going more or less this way. One year later, their footage was found, but the three were never seen again. <sighs> so I, they have it. Yeah, my. Okay. So I, that's. I have to say that that's a fan trailer. A great fan made every, trailer. Every real trailer for this was either a guy, either there was just spooky stuff and words on screen, or a guy saying like, "Experience the phenomenon." It's like that's not how you sell this. <laughs> they knew how to sell this. How how the Blair Witch Project was sold is. Why this is one of the most important movies we're going to talk about this year. Mm. I think so. But yeah. it's also like it is, the, it is the dawn of the found footage movie. It's not the first. Right. I think exactly. Cannibal Holocaust. It's, it's got its place in history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah. it, it did kick off the genre. Like mm-hmm. the genre exists because of Blair Witch. Wait. I, yeah. I have – real quick while we're still talking about the trailer. I feel like I have some recollection of some of the – this being one of the, the trailers where they show audience reactions yeah. in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think so, that might have been one of well, the first times I had seen that. Because I think what Diane is going like to get into is, mm-hmm. and I, I will be able to book in this, mm-hmm. I think, um, in the next segment. Because the marketing on this was pretty 
fucking top notch and out of nowhere. Oh yeah. And yeah. and I know I, I, that's not praise I like to heap on things, but that this is a fan made trailer that we played. And that's from a documentary that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. It was a half an hour documentary. And I think that the filmmaker said that that's what they were inspired by. Like watching ghost documentaries and witch documentaries and shit. And like this is scarier than like most of the horror movies we're watching. Why don't we make yeah. something like that? So they there's it's on the DVD. There's a half an hour like major television documentary that treats the whole thing as a real thing. Like, uh, like the, I was talking about, oh, well, that was on laser time about short circuit when short circuit <laughs> came out, they took Johnny five around like kids channels and like, yeah, hi, I'm Johnny five promoting my movie. I was struck by lightning, came to life. And like, I don't know that this isn't real. Like mom, dad, there's a robot. And he's in a movie. That's how Blair Witch was marketed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they would show cryptic things and point to a URL. Right. And that's a yeah. relatively new thing. Like I, the first that time. Very new thing. Very, and then yeah. because also the website kept it going. Mm-hmm. The website was about these missing college kids mm-hmm. and finding this footage and how they found it was really spooky because it was like part built into a wall, but the wall hadn't been disturbed for 25 years. And mm-hmm. why is this on this layer? And oh, it turns out there was a serial killer in town. And yeah, the, the whole thing is so well constructed yep. for this tiny little movie where nothing happened. I, right. I remember, I love that trivia because it, it was my first DVD. So I watched every oh, special it was feature. So many people's first DVD. I listened to yes. commentary a billion times. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think they said, like, at one point to like calm his nerves, Mike sings the Gilligan's Island theme song. And like, that yeah. was like twice the cost of the movie at that point. Wow. Like, getting yeah. the license to the Gilligan's Island theme. Yeah. And, and, and yep. just, but yeah, that's, it's just this, the website treated it like there's this. There's these three people who are lost. We've just recovered these tapes, and this is our movie. Total kayfabe, holy shit, this is real. This is definitely like perfect timing for the internet as a baby. Because Mm -hmm. like I was just thinking about how hard it would be to pull something like that off now because everyone would have these actors' Instagram handles, and (laughs) it'd be so much harder to build this mythology because... Like I was thinking, wow, did these actors just go into hiding for like a couple of months mm-hmm. and during this like all this lead up? But why would they need to? Like yeah. they really wouldn't mm. need to do that, you know. I don't think in '99 at this point, like there isn't the publicity around every movie that comes out mm-hmm. and the internet and mm-hmm. following everyone's social media and like blah blah blah. You uh, could be like is, anonymous. But, and this is a slow festival people. burn. Yeah, and like yeah. in the nature this is of a horror slow movies, burn. most. Horror fans don't spoil shit for their fucking friends. That's true. And like, and just it, the word of mouth was amazing. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, uh, be honest, and I've had to, I've had to avoid this several times. I will not rewatch this movie. No, I won't. Either. Because, oh, because this, I did. I want to talk about it. Okay. Go ahead. Because, but because of everything we're talking about, this worked perfectly for mm-hmm. me. And I, and it's not that I'm like, I did. I thought it was real or anything. Just I thought it was effective, mm-hmm. and I thought it was astoundingly mm. affected being part of the phenomenon was so much fun mm-hmm. i don't want any of that marred by modern horse agree that's and, how i feel and, too. and i'm sure there are better found footage movies i'm sure we were just the other day talking about vhs uh <laughs> anthology movie with some found footage shit uh and fucking chronicle and cloverfield and uh i'm missing the big one paranormal activity there you go an entire mm, yeah. found footage franchise mm-hmm. like this, the Blair Witch paved the way for all of that and like the same way people talk about Get Out like I think the Blair like every like ten, eight to ten years a horror movie comes out 
and really inspires a generation of filmmakers. Yes. And this is that yes. movie. And it was awesome yeah. to be there. Like, 100%. I was a little too young to be on board with the monsters of the 80s, but I was there for Blair Witch, and it was fucking exciting. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I loved Blair Witch. So, Diane, you watched yeah. it recently. So, so I, I rewatch it. I mean, I almost want to see a movie about the making of, because the making of is fascinating. Right. Where they, they hire these three actors. Um, they, they give two of them cameras. And they basically geocache information and food for them and just have them wander the woods yelling at each other and things get worse and worse and worse. And they start giving them fewer and fewer rations and they start leaving them notes like you're really mad at Heather or you you <laughs> stole the map. And then just letting them, you know, act out, improving an entire movie, really, and yeah. not letting them sleep and attacking them and them having to run around. Going, oh, what the fuck is that? And so it is kind of part of the problem is like they're not the best improv actors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there's sometimes you're just sort of like, oh, God. all they're doing is yelling fuck a lot. I do but, believe Mike screams like fuck for like a minute straight. Just soul fucks. Yeah. It, one of my favorite yeah. scenes in the movie. And that I, feels real, too. Because you don't see mm-hmm. anything. You just you, you have this feeling that these people are being followed and, mm-hmm. and haunted by something. Like, what the yeah. fuck was that? And they start running and you. In this black and white night shot, you see something in the distance. Right. And those are the directors Oof. like who didn't yeah. tell them yeah. they were going to do that yeah. and just chasing them. But it's it's crazy effective. I just got a little chill. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> it was awesome. like, yeah. it was so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So I was not a big fan the first time. I kind of wanted, I, it's not that I wanted to see the monster. I, I wanted, yeah, I guess just sort of like more character interaction. I felt like all the characters, there, there isn't a huge differentiation between, the, well, Heather and the two guys. Like, they don't have a lot of personality. I feel like I don't get to know them. And and a lot of people said, like, it gave them motion sickness because it's just bob- cameras bobbing around. Watching it again, I actually liked it better the second time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I haven't seen it in better part of 20 years. Um, I realized, oh, the, the growing despair is really good. The doom of it all. The kind of the inevitability of, like, yeah, we're going to fucking die. We're going to fucking die just because we're not good at walking in the woods and now we're being hunted <laughs> well by who the fuck knows there's that's the thing during the movie a ghostly presence might be tricking them to walk in circles mm-hmm. they have a map right. they have a compass and they keep ending up in the same place mm-hmm. and it's this yeah. general spook until they get to that house and that that last five or so minutes when they're oh, in a house fucked up man that it's... shit scared me the first time and it really it still got me the second time yeah and th- remember the I big have another huge complaint though because mm-hmm. i was such a dick because i saw this while i was in film school mm-hmm. the uh, beginning of the movie the idea is that you know they're making this documentary and so they're going out to these spots and like filming and they're interviewing people to talk about this local legend and uh, she talks over her interview subjects and ruins <laughs> all of her audio and it kills me to this day. I'm just like, let them talk. You're not going to be able to cut this together later. This You're is not going to be able to cut any of this together This later. is the podcast journalist talking, not mm-hmm. the film fan, Diana. Mm-hmm. Relax. Calm uh, down. No, this is because I was both a journalism major and a cinema major. So documentary filmmaking yeah. is something I am allowed to critique. Well, it sounds like anyway, it, all the stuff you find lacking. All the stuff you find lacking the first one you can find in Blair Witch Two: Book of Shadows, <laughs> which is one of the weirdest sequels ever. Um, do we have any updates about these actors now? I was just thinking about that because, yeah. like, they didn't really do anything else. Yeah, they're just doing other. Nope. What are they doing? Just living their lives. I guess probably I, just living their lives because this is the second most profitable film of all time. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I, I now, couldn't wait I to bring that up. I tried to find if. If, uh, looking up the stats, I tried to find if porn is in there because I know behind the green door might beat this. But uh, it was made for $60,000 because mm-hmm. 
you have to process that 18 millimeter film, so it actually costs money. Gilligan's Island theme. 248 mm-hmm. million. Yeah. 204. Oh, that's true. Wow, like wow, 30 wow. grand of that is from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah, 248 million dollars off of 60 grand. Well, and I think one of the reasons too it's so effective is that it looks like a bad dream. Yeah. Like where yeah. things are off in the distance, you can't really see them, the going around in circles and everything looks mm-hmm. familiar, stuff. Just like seeing things you can't really understand mm-hmm. but you feel the dread. Yeah. It all feels like a nightmare. I remember the big dumb yeah. 1999 argument with uh my dumb friends mm-hmm. was you didn't see the witch. Like you fucking idiot. Like yeah. What 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 could what could the witch have looked like to make that movie right. scarier? <laughs> fucking dummy. Yeah. Like a big wart on her nose. You don't deserve movies. Like, yeah. Here, here's a picture of fucking Angelica Houston from The Witches. There, that's there. what it looks there like. You, you must have missed <laughs> yeah. that shot. Did you go to the bathroom when they showed her? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one thing, another thing that really affected me that I totally missed the first time is how often what we're seeing mismatches with the sound. And how that hmm. makes it extra scarier, hmm. too. What do you Especially mean? when you get to the house. Because really, there's everyone's got a separate device. I think she's right. got the sound recorder. One of them's got a camcorder. One of them's got the 16 millimeter. And of course, you can ask, why are they still filming? Why are they still filming? Whatever. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. But there's times where one of them has the camcorder, which can record sound. And the other one has the film and the DAP sound recorder. And it's like you're seeing the camcorder footage that's over here, like in the house, but you're hearing what's for, right. from the basement. Oh. And it just adds, adds to this sort of dissonance of not knowing where the sounds are coming from and what's behind me. And Wow. Yeah. Nicely done. Sound editing, people. It's important. Right. Wow. And so, I remember from, I haven't seen Midsummer yet, but some of the Im- imagery that, that stuck with me the most from Hereditary is like real subtle shit, which is sort of how the movie ends mm-hmm. in Blair Witch. Mm. And I don't know. It's 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 like I said. Like I don't want to revisit it because I'm I am happy with the crystallized memory of how mm-hmm. perfect this was mm-hmm. in 1999 mm-hmm. for me and all of my friends. Yeah. Uh, and I turned out to uh, surprisingly, I thought I was going to like it less. I thought I'd spot more problems with it, and I ended up it worked on me. It was like this is working. That's I will and point yeah, people to. I should mention what is the most uh, the the uh, highest grossing movie of all time. You know, best return on investment mm-hmm. is Paranormal Activity, which is really just this. But it only cost 15K because you could shoot digital then. Wow. Paranormal activity yeah. was 15K? It cost 15 grand. Wow. wow. Holy shit. Why haven't and I made it, more it movies? Just that movie made $193 million. And there have been a couple of them now. Yes. It's a fucking franchise. Well, so, and that's, that's, that's how much the Blair Witch movie made. Mm-hmm. There were mm-hmm. three video games, multiple sequels, Ooh, merchandise, wow. uh, like those little stick witches you could sure. buy as keychains. And like, <laughs> like there wasn't a ton of merchandise. We're not talking Freddy Krueger here, mm-hmm. but like this thing right. was a phenomenon, mm-hmm. like kicked off a new horror blah 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 And like as evidenced by Scary Movie, which marketed itself with a lot of Blair Witch parody, mm-hmm. which at that point, mm-hmm. like the Scary Movie was like, you know, Scream had kind of turned had made the old horror movies passe. Right. And right. and and so yeah. Blair Witch comes along it's something entirely new and it's just odd that like that formula doesn't seem to be dead yet. The the found footage yeah. formula. Mm-hmm. Cuz I still no, like there's it. There's so much you can do with it. Mhm. I still like yeah. it. Well, I mean part of what's scary about the idea of found footage is that I don't know. There, I don't know how to explain it really, but there's like a, a a feeling of when you are watching found footage of inevitability mm-hmm. of what's going to happen mm-hmm. because it's already happened, and so the dread I feel like mm-hmm. may be stronger because you know something bad is going to happen. There's no choices. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have found this mm-hmm. fucking footage. Yeah, there's no choices <laughs> yeah. that the main characters could make that'll get them out of this. <sighs> so 
the dread yep. is like way heavier. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Hmm. So I hope we have this same zest yeah. to talk about Runaway Bride. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah. It is so weird that we're, we're going from, yeah, to, well, to... Honestly, horror movies that you know are still well remembered or well regarded, and one that's legit, legit important for film history, like it or not. And then we're gonna go to like the most forgettable fucking oh, man. movie. Yeah, this one, and it's uh, number one at the box office for one is. week. Blair Witch stuck around like the whole fucking summer, mm-hmm. man. That was rad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yes, Christopher Maloney. What? I don't remember. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. What? Sailor Ward. Paul know, Dooley. There's, there's, there's wonderful people in this, and I'm happy they got money. Breaking yeah. away is Paul Dooley, <laughs> yeah. uh, Hector yeah. Elizondo, Reader. Sister <laughs> Seal Award. <laughs> yeah. Joan Cusack from My Bodyguard. Uh, <laughs> Rich, Richard Gere and Julia Roberts reuniting for Runaway Bride. The bride is walking down the aisle. Maggie Carpenter is walking down the aisle. Seems very confident in her approach. She's at the first pew. Bride seems to be a bit hesitant. She's turning. She's turning and oh, she's running. Where's she going? Lock the door! She likes to dump grooms right at the altar. Plows down the aisle, knocking old ladies out of her way like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. I'm profoundly and irreversibly screwed up. I have been accused of using this column to direct bitter diatribes at the opposite sex. I could. This runaway bride story, I think we can sell it to GQ magazine. So, sometimes I was just thinking the other day, like, did I get a glimpse into this alternate? Dim- Richard Gere feels like he's from an alternate dimension, like where he was yeah. a he, he was a big movie star. I'm like, did that really happen? I don't love any Richard Gere movies. Hmm. Primal Fear, right? gentleman. Uh, nah. Primal Fear is pretty great. I, I didn't watch Primal Fear. Days of much. Heaven, bitch. Y'all gotta watch Days of Heaven. I don't know. The movie's amazing. No. But but like, I I forgot that. Gary Marshall was also involved. Like Gary Marshall reunited yeah. with this and didn't want to make a sequel, but wanted to have the same stars. What is the sequel to Pretty Woman? They have a kid. She know. goes back on the streets. I don't know. They made a sequel to Father <laughs> of the Bride. That's a wedding that ends. Oh, Father uh, of the Bride <laughs> is phenomenal. And we, both of them, okay? I will not hear okay. any disparagement of that. Well, when the time comes, okay. I'll disparage plenty. But <laughs> cool. We'll fight. <laughs> But I, I, I feel like I, I, okay, so the thing is that, that Julia Roberts is a famous uh, person who dumps people at the altar. Yeah, pretty she, much. She's ditched out on a bunch of weddings. Uh, and then Richard Gere is a journalist who comes to her wacky small town to basically goad her into doing it again. Yeah. To run out on Christopher Maloney. Aw. Christopher Maloney how, is. How could you? I mean, why? Yeah, likes, why would anyone? Elliot Stabler, come on. They can fondle the sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go use his dick cream. Um, also, her best friend, Joan Cusack, runs a hair salon called Curl Up and Die. <laughs> Just like in Blues there Brothers. Are, there, are, there are almost no place for worse puns than hair salons. Oh, I, I know. I think we should do, do. a... There's got to be a, a Tumblr devoted a to this. A nationwide, like, just take a picture of the bad puns at all your hair salons. <laughs> a couple of them are owned by friends of mine. And <laughs> so I... Oh my God! Curl up and die. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like that's funny. Once that's not a good name, and I'm not talking about Joan Cusack's place. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Runaway Bride. I yeah. clearly don't want to talk about this. Oh, it's uh, not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's a good thing I will say about it. The ultimate message of the movie is that she 
one of the reasons why she kept leaving people at the altar is because they just weren't right for her and that she would always get subsumed into relationships and have the man's personality kind of take over her personality. Mm -hmm. So there's like a whole, the, the message of it at the end of it is that she needs to really learn how to be who figure out who she is before she can commit to anyone. And there's like, you know, a whole scene where she's even great message. Oh my God. Thank you. Yes. And and so that is a good thing I'll say about it. I like the whole scene where she's trying to figure out what kind, how she likes her eggs being made because everyone she was with would just make eggs for her and that's how she would eat it. But she doesn't really even know how she really likes her eggs to be prepared. Mm-hmm. So she sits down in front of a table of like a di- bunch of different ways that eggs are prepared to try to figure it out. And well, it sounds like a lot of white people problems. Who's <laughs> making mean, me eggs? Fucking starving, dude. We're podcasters, <laughs> so I don't know that we should be talking about white people problems. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also like the fact I really enjoy she's kind of like an industrial artist on the side and so one of the things that Richard Gere encourages, encourages Hollywood jobs. her Jesus. to do is to like continue making she makes these cool industrial like lamp pieces and she puts them in like a art gallery in the mm-hmm. big city and so uh, that's like part of it as well <laughs> so I don't know I watch this movie a lot at sleepovers uh, in middle school, that? Like, school this is a uh not even not, spiritual, spiritual successor is not the right word, but a, a follow up to Pretty Woman, one of the most successful movies of the 1980s. I mean, directed by Gary Marshall, who also directed this movie, starring Richard Gere yeah. and jo- Julia Roberts, who are also in this movie. It's a real thing that Hollywood I likes to do. Pretty, pretty Woman, eighty nine or ninety? We covered it. I think it's it 90. might be like. Did we cover? It? I thought no. we did. I think it's ninety. Okay. No, I don't think we did. I, I, I'll take your word for it because I'm not looking it up and I'm not watching it. But I, I'm looking it up because it'll be. Yep, 1990. Next okay, year. okay. We'll cover. We will cover it. But yeah, like uh, that, that, and that's a testament. I think the the film being number one at the box office is a testament to Pretty Woman because mm-hmm. mm. this movie did not get reviewed well at all. The people mm-hmm. who saw it didn't seem to like it, mm-hmm. and it was still number one. I think on the strength of how much people love Pretty Woman. Well, people love seeing these repairings. I mm-hmm. mean, look at you've got mail that we talked about. Right. Like mm-hmm. people like to see. Joe versus the volcano meet up together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's this the, is the third time the, for them. The trilogy. Yeah, you're right. God, I always, I should never forget about Joe versus the volcano, and yet it's I the do. the best one, as far as the boy is concerned. <laughs> um, yeah, this is not good. But it's also not terrible. Mm. And there's also something about it that appeals to me because... Speaking as our romantic comedy mm-hmm. person on the panel... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it does have that element that I've talked about that I like before of picaresque, where mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a bunch of different things that are tied together by a theme, kind of. You right. know, like she tries right. on, it's like different wedding dresses for each personality of the guy that she's like been with. And like, you know, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. there's something there. Yeah. I'm having a hard time articulating. Hector Elizondo it. wears a different Kangle hat. And He's got a jaunty beret <laughs> on. <laughs> Uh, in a good cast, that's yeah. probably that probably can't hurt. Yeah, never hurts. Right, yeah. right. That's okay. I, you know, I didn't bother watching it, but I feel better knowing. Oh, it actually has arguably a feminist message, which is a huge problem I have with romantic comedies. Is mm-hmm. how it's like, oh, silly woman, stop being yourself. You need a man. Right. Is it safe to say that most Julia Roberts movies had that kind of vibe? That like maybe like either she wouldn't get involved with something that was like super shitty or she may change a script up a little bit is uh, that 
I don't associate her with like. I'm trying to think now. I mean, I do think she makes generally very good choices. Or maybe she's she shapes the misses. script. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe that's yeah. part of it too. She will smith up a script. Really, and we'll we may we'll find out next year. Like, but I don't have love in my heart for Pretty Woman at all. Ooh. Um, you really, she was still out there tooting. I, like, <laughs> I mean, it's just there's issue. I have issues with that movie um, for a lot yeah. of reasons. Um, so. Yeah, that's one of the romantic comedies that I don't get in the canon. I'm eh, okay. not into it. Um, mm. And I do think it has a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. I won't say the other yeah. P word. But um, yeah, I think I think looking at Julia Roberts's canon, I think that she probably does make really good yeah, choices. Yeah, like wouldn't get involved in a shitty yeah. movie with a, with a sour feminist message. I'm trying to think of a counterexample besides Pretty Woman. And I, I love I trouble. cannot... <laughs> I can't think of it. So not obscure yeah. Julie Roberts movies. Julie I'm, Roberts and I'm going to counter-program all this, this, this lady energy in just a second. So okay. talk as long as you'd like. Are we good? <laughs> I think I'm that's done. more than anyone has talked about Runaway Bride. It's true. In the last you are 100 percent so. right. And thank yeah. you for indulging me, everyone. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, so it's a TV of 1999, July 26th through August 1st. Undressed debuts. Is that true? Do you remember watching Undressed? I. I only remember watching it because I think we mentioned last week our buddy had DSL and we brought our computers over into his basement. Yeah. He was obsessed with the show. Yeah. So I watched, like, from the back of my head, mm-hmm. a lot of Undressed. Yeah. The, but and it was just, like, a straight-up teenage nightly soap opera yes. on MTV. Yeah. And, yeah. and well, it. it was teenagers, college students, and uh, people in their early 20s. And it was kind of more like an anthology where mm-hmm. they wasn't always related and it's super strange to look back on. I watched a couple clips of different episodes just to kind of get that feel again. I remember watching it um, not full, like I didn't really get super into it, but if it was on late at night and I had nothing else to watch, I would watch parts of it. Mm-hmm. it, it was actually pretty groundbreaking in a lot of ways for their uh, LBGTQ storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but... actually received some GLAAD awards for that reason. Yeah, young, young gay people were not depicted been, like this yeah. this shirtless and like... Right. Uh, the sexual. The sexual yeah. anywhere else other than this show. Yeah. I'll give it that. And it did tackle a lot of... Um, a lot of issues apparently that you know weren't really being talked about in a frank way in you know a fun soap opera y kind of show as well. Like it's an unnatural body special. piercings. Yes. The silent killer. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you got clean needles, y'all. But also yeah, it's super weird one. to look at because it's shot like a soap opera with that like yeah. weird camera. Vaseline camera. Yeah. The mm-hmm. like now where they have like the motion smoothing, but that's mm-hmm. how all soap operas look to me. Like right. that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's super. Mm-hmm. And all the sets of course look super cheap and everything's in like jewel tones. It's like a British sitcom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Undressed. I, I, I wish I had more, but like, but like every MTV show, even if it's the best thing in the world, mm-hmm. it just goes away and yeah. you can't ever revisit well, it. It was on for six seasons. I know, so. but like, like they don't really like do DVDs. Cause like, so last year there were talks to bring it back. Really? Yeah. I, I don't see. It seems like something that could work again, for fuck's sake. I think so. Uh, Jesus. Okay. But like, okay, ladies, clear it. I'm looking through the list to see uh, any cast members that I, I recognize them. I'm seeing uh, Christina Hendricks pops out right hey, away. Yeah. What? Ch- Chad Michael uh, Murray. Chad Michael. Pedro Pascal? No way. Wow. Mm. Okay, am I know. Katie what? Azelton from right, The so League. I'm... Yeah. Jay Hernandez. Yeah. 
Get it out, ladies. We're going to talk about wrestling in like 10 seconds. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Ritter. Brandon Ralph. Ralph. Ruth Ralph. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a bunch of people that came up through this. I like Jason Ritter a lot. Uh, I just have to say. He's really good. Yeah, he's great in Gravity Falls. Yeah. <laughs> He's also great in Joan of Arcadia. So what? I have not seen that. What? I'm not trying to start a fight. <laughs> I don't not know why like I want to fight you. <laughs> Bret Hart, uh, <laughs> Bret the Hitman Hart, <laughs> on an episode of Mad TV Primetime. We could be playing fast and loose with Mad TV had some primetime episodes. I'm pretty sure this is an episode that aired earlier in the year. Mm. But like mm. wrestling moves in cycles, and sometimes like right now, we're I think in kind of a white hot territory yes. where like even people who don't like wrestling are seeing a lot of it in their social media feeds yes you're about to get another wrestling show on basic cable and it's a crazy time and mm-hmm. that's so so it was in 1999 and this is the perfect example of how fucking crazy popular wrestling was because mm-hmm. this is there bret hart makes a, an appearance on mad tv I'll, I'll here's a little clip it's will sasso uh, fantastic love will sasso he, he's my favorite mad tv person mm-hmm. but he's also been on uh, WWF, I, w, I don't even remember in a feud with Bret Hart, but here he is. They're appearing in a sketch together. He's playing Jesse, the Mind Ventura, <laughs> who's just been elected the, the governor of Minnesota, and he calls out a spe- his special friend, running mate. I now want to be known simply as Governor. I don't want anybody alluding to the fact that I am an ex wrestler. I'm a servant of the people, and I promise to represent this great state with class and dignity. Thank you. All right. That being said, I'd like to introduce my new lieutenant governor, the WCW U.S. heavyweight champ, Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah. Woo! Shark in his head! I'd just like to say hey to all the great people in Minnesota and any other state that thinks they're better than us is living in a stinking dream world. <laughs> Excuse me, Governor. Yeah. You want us to take you seriously, yet you appoint a wrestler to the second highest position in the state? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, hold on a second. Are you saying that wrestlers aren't qualified to hold public office? Well, I... Yeah, yeah. Brett, why don't you show this young lady your qualifications? <laughs> All right. haha. So, that, like, wrestlers aren't... Rock is hosting SNL for the first time around this time, but then a ton of wrestlers were on Mad TV, mm-hmm. like Steve Austin and mm-hmm. fucking... Just a ton of people. But this is... I'm telling you, this is how big wrestling is. Because unlike SNL, this is part of a wrestling storyline. What? Yes. Really? So like this gets this gets crazy weird. Bret Hart, uh, Bret Hart goes in like just kind of breaks character and starts kind of kind of like really strong arming Phil Lamar and a couple of the other cast member. Okay, I mean, do you even have a position on senior healthcare? Mm-hmm. Bret position. Good, because you know the people would really like to know. Ow, ow, ow! No, seriously, stick to me, man. You hurt me. the whole sketch breaks and the cameras pull out and they reset the scene and Bret Hart hits Two Canadians wrestling in the My middle of the match. My mouth is fully open. Like when so sh- much sorrying. So you, I think oh. this speaks to how maybe desperate Mad TV was to get a little piece <laughs> of wrestling's popularity. But like this is literally playing into the storylines of wrestling. And Bret Hart 
literally walks back into the room and grabs a microphone and cuts a promo in the middle of Mad TV. Let me tell you, all oh. these stupid brain dead Mad TV fans, the last time I came on this show, this guy tried to humiliate me. He tried to pick me up and twirl me around like I was his bitch. It's not gonna happen this time. You want to be a funny man, Sasso? No. Write this into the script. You want to write things into the script? No, no, no. Write this. Hey, hey, Shut hey, your Fuck yeah! What the fuck is happening? I kind of feel like I might be a wrestling this- fan because... <laughs> I sort of, I'm just so confused. Like, is this real or not? I know. That's why I'm, I'm saying I think I might want to be a wrestling fan because I'm watching this. Do you remember this? My old, mouth is open in old pure YouTube glee. channel improv everywhere. Like that's what wrestlers do. They walk in every situation as fake people and make something you want I to mean, believe is real. When that Mad TV <laughs> actress who's like playing the reporter takes her wig off yeah. and is like, ow, let, ow, let me, ow. Let me go. Cut. I started to get a little <laughs> upset, and then. I don't know what Isn't happened after that. Isn't it wonderful? Wow. Let's wait wait until WCW. Am I, am bre- I a wrestling fan? Everyone's a wrestling fan. Yeah. You just think you're not. You, th- you think it's NASCAR and it's not. I do. Um, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah. But uh, speaking of NASCAR, no, that's, there's no segueing the video games because it's all boring. Uh, Outcast is out this week in terms of video games, as is the new Tetris, which I didn't bother looking hey. into because there's a billion but new Tetris. But it's all time. It's tying together. It's tying yep. together. Ten years later. Yeah. I can't wait to tie the other thing together. And NCAA 2000 is out uh, and no longer existent because they don't want to pay athletes. So suck Boo. dick. Uh, mm. Of course, of course, of course, we're going to close 1989 with Deepest Bluest. Yes. Uh, his hat is like a shark's fin. The lyrics oh. in this are incredible. Yeah. They are this song. <laughs> so wonderful. Man, we, we came special. in with a tie-in song and we're going out with a tie-in song and they're both hilariously dumb. Man, if you hire a, hired a rapper in the 90s to make a song about your movie, they're going to make a song about your movie. <laughs> like, it's not going to be DJ Khaled screaming his name over the Aladdin soundtrack. They are going to stick, they're gonna stick to the plot and the specifics and the animals that are yes. all in this movie. There's going to be spoilers <laughs> in the song. Spoilers in the song. <laughs> Take us out, LL, and please stick around for 2009. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I'll talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but of not. And I don't know that I could talk about that movie for an hour, because it's, um, <laughs> it's, I, I didn't, I did not dislike it. I, in fact, I rather liked it, but it's just like, Dude, not a lot happens. There and, are parts that I liked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and oh, in there. Uh-oh, if we get real sassy. <laughs> girl. Girl. Girl, you know. Girl, if you're a girl looking at this movie to see a girl, you might not like it. Ooh, it just, <laughs> they get like one line, all of them. It does not pass the Bechdel test, I don't think. This And again, non-spoiler stuff. Tarantino was like, this is the, the closest thing to Pulp Fiction I've written of intertwining stories. I'm like... 
No, no one really has a... There are two people who have a story here, yeah, and that's it. that's it. Uh, everyone else is like is, is very tertiary. That's where I think maybe the movie fails. But but I, I again, di- like the the total opposite of hated, I am... But it, it did that thing that's rare, where I have not stopped thinking about it. Right. Oh, that's and, true um, for me, too. I have not yeah. stopped thinking about it since, since it came out. And in that way, it's effective. Because Avengers, I wouldn't... Like, Endgame, I wouldn't say I couldn't stop thinking about it. But I talked about it with a lot of people who mm-hmm. saw it. But uh, but I th- I'm still th- wrapping my head around Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. That's yeah. what it's called. <laughs> Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on Patreon.com/LaserTime. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of july 26th through august 1st of course there is i'll always find you something baby anyway uh let's start with some news and it's bummer news but it's bummer news i want a movie to be made about uh august 1st 1944 75 years ago this week saw the beginning of the warsaw uprising not the warsaw ghetto uprising that was a year ago the Warsaw Uprising was the most successful resistance fight during World War II. The Polish underground and the home army pulled their shit together, tried to retake Warsaw from the Nazis. Uh, they fought it out for two whole months or so um, until they basically got sold out by the Soviets. The Soviets could have, you know, started hammering the Russians from the other side, but they wanted to take Poland after the war and they just kind of let the Poles get fucked. And in the end, about 200,000 people died, mostly civilians, who were mostly mass executed. And the city was like 85% destroyed. (sighs) Fucking Stalin, man. I think it's a really interesting story. Uh, I've been reading up on it since uh, I first kind of saw it and was like, this is a story I've never heard before of, you know, the people who've been under Nazi occupation for five years coming together and doing a really good job street battling house to house ugly gorilla shit which we'll be talking about in the 2009 segment um but during world war ii and it's very interesting and i would like them to make a movie about it please anyway uh 60 years ago this week comes my actual recommend really fucking hard pivot um to i would say alfred hitchcock's most fun movie um because somewhere about this time because when they released movies, they would have like a premiere and then it would sort of be here and then it'd be in New York, I mean, in LA. And so, so I'm just going to put it right here in the middle of its release timetable at the end of July, 1959, saw the release of North by Northwest, which is not my favorite Hitchcock film. It's probably second or third. It is definitely the most accessible and the most fun because uh, it's funny, first of all, but it's also like tense, beautifully shot, sexy, fun. Uh, it's about Cary Grant, who's just, Cary Grant ended up being cool and suave, and he is accidentally thought to be a spy. And then James Mason, who's also cool and suave, starts uh, trying to get him killed. It's got an amazing score. It's got, like, cool setting and costumes. And it's proto, like, Cary Grant's sort of proto-James Bond in it, in a weird way. Like, I believe Ian Fleming, you know, kind of was inspired for, like, the idea of the suave sort of secret agent guy who sort of like sweet talks women into doing stuff and then there's like spy stuff sneaking around and 
it's it is so much fun. If you haven't seen North by Northwest, or if you just put off the idea of like Hitchcock, either it's really scary or it's really tense or it's just too film arty, old timey, whatever. It's great, but it's homework. Dude, this is not homework. It is funny as hell. It is a thrill ride the whole way. It's not scary. It's just fun. Totally watch North by Northwest if you haven't seen it before. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. I already know what it is. We got another one, boy. ATL. Just yeah. throw it in the bag. What's up, Brooklyn? What's up, son? What's up, Fabo? Hey, man. I got that black Amex with me. AKA that throw it in the bag card. Coming in with Throw in the Bag by Fabu- Fab- Fabulous. Am I saying that right? Uh, yes. Featuring The Dream off Loso's Way. Welcome to 2009. Of course we're in 2009 where I'm pronouncing musicians I've never heard of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the new releases this week, as is The Dirty Dozen by George Thorogood. What? <laughs> the Destroyers. That's a thing still? I guess. Still in, going. In 09, um, exposed by uh, Katrina DeBarge. And uh, take us Christine. to the start, huh? Oh, Christina DeBarge, and take us. Yeah. I only know Short Circuit DeBarge. That guy's great. Um, yeah, and she's not related to that DeBarge. There's more DeBarges out there. Wow, <laughs> so, I can't believe it. Wow, wow, so wow. Many. Of barge uh, is of bar- how you translate that. <laughs> <laughs> take us to the start by uh, by Matt Hires is also out, and I got a feeling by Black Eyed Peas is number one. And it always shall be in 2009. Uh, 2009, the movies, uh, July 26th through August 1st. Good Lord, there's a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> the Collector by Josh uh, Josh Stewart, Michael Riley Burke, and Andrea Roth. I've never heard of this. Uh, this was almost a Saw movie, I guess, from the screenplay. Oh. Uh, but instead, oh. it came out as The Collector, and it has a sequel, The Collection. Uh, it's about someone's trying to break into a house, and there's like crazy-ass booby traps and horrible things happen, and ah, uh, scary. <laughs> I, have, I have seen Food, Inc. Um, yeah. Food Inc. I will recommend. It's yep. a documentary, and it will make you enraged and feel totally impotent and not know what to do with yourself. Right. For real. And for 10 years, it, it'll it'll help your eating habits. And then you watch too many documentaries with Michael Pollan, and it's saying the exact same thing. Yeah. You can eat whatever you want. Just cook it yourself. Yep. Not a solution, Michael. <laughs> that I mean, is a solution. I know. but, but it, Michael it, Pollan is great. It is, it is like dietary tab- habits. How do I lose weight? What foods are, are bad for me? Have you seen a commercial for it? It's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. It's, it's true. It's bad for you. And all the all the food that you go get uh, fast-wise or yes. at restaurants are the hardest things to cook. But if you cook them yourself, you would burn enough calories standing over a stove and shredding cheese and making noodles. Uh, it would totally balance it out, and you mm-hmm. wouldn't get fat over it. I feel like Michael Pollan is doing some great work. Um, he... Food Rules is really good. Tiny little book that really helped me like reframe eating um, and the way I think about food. Um, I have not read The Omnivore's Omnivore's Dilemma, but I know that uh, my sister read it and she recommends it and she's vegan. But um, it's I think he's doing a lot of good food work and not coming at it from the Alice Waters way of well, everyone just should just, just be rich. <laughs> just be rich right. and live in a place with a vibrant farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be fine. It's like, bitch, 
<laughs> Some of us got real jobs. Glad you said it. Yeah. And don't live don't live in the Bay Area anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely difficult, but uh, but yeah, Food Inc. is definitely yeah, worth a watch. Food Inc. is really mostly about yeah the corporatization of food and farming and how you know because it values money over quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything you have in the world is got a ton of corn in it. Yeah, and Ooh, corn. It's horrible. Yeah, I yep. mean. I think and these... it makes you just like I just watch it. And I'm like, oh my god, no, that's it. I'm going to reform. I'm going to do this. But and then I realized, like, I can't. I, yeah. Like you said, I can't go to the farmers market every day. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. It's not I Europe. can't make all of these things. <laughs> you can't. But and it's it's definitely true. I it's hard when you watch stuff like that and you like read stuff because it makes you feel like it's an all or nothing equation, and it's not. Mm. It can't be. Like, you know, Meatless Mondays, Vegan Before uh, Five, like these are all great ways to make that kind of difference. Also, like Sam and I, we've changed our diet a lot over the years. Like we don't eat pork at all anymore because pigs are toddlers. And (laughs) we've just like really, um, I've seen changes in our local uh, grocery stores and Publix. Like Mm -hmm. now the amount of humanely raised uh, dairy and meat that is available has really expanded, and they're also uh, carrying a lot more uh, fake meat alternatives that are really good. And I mean, a lot dude. of that comes from just continuing to buy it. And I know that like every couple months, Sam and I put in a request with Publix, like, please carry this product that's like a Beyond Meat burger, you know, the new one, or mm-hmm. a new humanely raised like meat selection or dairy selection. And voting with your dollar makes a big difference i think with that kind of stuff mm-hmm. mm. you know also doing yeah. good stuff with food right now hmm. mcdonald's worldwide menu it's you keep talking about spain this. burger is really good the stroop waffle <laughs> it's delicious the stroop waffle mcflurry it's unbelievable hmm. unbelievable are rad. Mm. Oh, I love so good uh so <laughs> but i swear i've seen this documentary twice um mm. and uh aliens in the attic is also out this week uh, another movie i've yeah. never heard of um yeah, yeah. well because you're not a tiny child so okay but I'll tell you what movie I did hear of and almost saw it on a plane. Mm. Uh, the, the Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker feels like a plane movie. It's it, even reading that about does it. does not feel like a good plane movie. No, no, I it wasn't. I, I saw the end and, and I've never uh. seen anything else. But it is oh. uh, Guy Pierce, Ray Fiennes, Brian Gallardy and um, Anthony Mackie. And of course, Mr. Jeep Jeremy Renner. Uh, <laughs> hey, James. How many bombs? You disarmed. 873. You're a wild man, you know that? It's reckless. It's combat, buddy. What do we have here? Everybody get back! Go! And you deal with it. Every time you suit up, every time we go out, it's life or death. You roll the dice, you recognize that. It's kind of like uh, this is, I think, the mainstream introduction of both Anthony Mackie and J- Jeremy Renner, who are now in like every Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, so Hawkeye and Falcon got their mm-hmm. own spinoff movie, mm-hmm. and they got it around. To say nothing of uh, Catherine Bigelow. Who's... I was just about to say, this is the first time that I felt like the conversation, we really started talking about Catherine Bigelow. Who has like never directed lady movies. No. And this is like the least lady movie ever in that there's no ladies in this movie at yeah. all. And, but I, I'm, I'm a big Point Break fan, so you'll never hear me talk shit on Catherine Bigelow. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, like this, this 
tons of Oscar buzz, mm-hmm. all that shit. Um, I'm sort of ashamed I never saw it, but I saw the ending on a plane and it was like, I don't want to watch every, anything, everything that led up to that. This is already hard enough to watch. It's great. Mm. I mean, I, I did not see it on a plane, mm-hmm. but um, I really liked it. I don't remember that much about it. Mm-hmm. I just remember really liking it. But I mean, I think that's like Catherine Bigelow. Like, she does a great job. Yeah. She's but very, very good at her Bomb job. diffusers in uh, Iraq. Mm-hmm. 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 And that's what the Hurt Locker is, the place where you put the bomb. Yes. <laughs> this is again <laughs> nope. watching. There you go. Yeah. So you yeah, got it. I got it. And uh, and yeah, that the ten year anniversary of Jeremy Renner, which if you haven't seen his new Jeep commercial, where he gets off his tour bus to listen to his music in a stranger's Jeep that he steals, to then go play a show for people, <laughs> it, it's fucking surreal. It's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Is it as funny as Matthew McConaughey's Lincoln commercial? It's way funnier than that because like <laughs> wow. because it seems like it seems like an ego dream that everyone like. Everyone would tell him to get the fuck out of here, but it, it contains like Apple Music plugs and it his own so- Jeremy Renner's own song. Oh, that <laughs> and, part I've heard of. And in a, in a Jeep that he steals from someone because he's so tired of riding on a tour bus when he's going on a tour with the boys. It's it's utterly ridiculous. Is he trying to pull a the guy from Bradley Cooper? I don't know. I kind of feel like hmm. he's like. Kind of always on Bradley Cooper's I don't know. heels. I like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I like Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You don't like this Jeremy is, Renner. I, I so I, I went back and watched this because this is arguably the best reviewed movie of the year. It yep. wins Best Picture. Yep. Uh, thank God. When you see what it beat, you'll you'll be like, oh God, Hurt Locker, I love you so much. Um, it beat Avatar. Is what I'm saying. Oh, anyway. Oh. Okay, yes. Oh, bless you, Hurt Locker. Yeah. Um, oh, especially so, for the James Cameron Catherine Bigelow connection, I remember holy this shit, now. That's right. yeah. I remember this now <laughs> so vividly, being so happy that she fucking beat James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I cried for I a couple love reasons. That. I didn't even know, even though they were married. And then I look. This is a terrible thing to say, but I thought it was equally funny that like she's way hotter than everyone you left her for. And <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did he leave her for? Um, that's it, confusing. Maybe Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. And then like right. other actresses. That yeah, 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 yeah. He's been mm-hmm. married to. Yeah. So, yeah. So Hurt Locker is uh, about ordnance disposal guys, the bomb diffusers in Iraq, uh, circa 2004. Um, is directed by Catherine Bigelow, who is a director I want everyone to talk about more. I think yep. she's one of the most mm-hmm. important women yep, yep, directors yep. we have mm-hmm. because she makes dude movies. Yes, yeah, they're awesome. She is an awesome, like she is an awesome Michael Bay esque director. Yeah, this shit is. Yeah, yeah this shit is good. Yeah. Everyone remember that mm-hmm. a woman made Point Break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that shit the is the most dude movie that ever duded. That gave us the line "Young, dumb, and full of cum." Oof, <laughs> I I hate even talking about it in those terms. A whim, a <laughs> woman directing a dude movie. I mean, come on, what does that even really mean? Because there's yeah, lots of dudes so directing people, when women they think comedies, of a woman director, or women movies. It hopefully won't mean it's going to be touchy feely or it's going to be a rom com or mm-hmm. something. And it's like, no, no, man, she makes dude movies. She, she makes movies. She that makes movies you about like. gods. But don't you? Th- but isn't it so insane that we're talking about it like this when Gary Marshall's been making rom coms for? A million years. It will seem insane mm-hmm. ten years from now, but the world we live in now, like women, Ugh, catch like, up, everyone. If they have a female yeah. superhero, Marvel will hire a woman. But like for an Iraq movie or a movie about surfing cops, like <laughs> it, like it's weird. It is the weird. two dude genres. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is yeah. weird that Catherine so, Bigelow no brought those. No one's hiring Nora Ephron to yeah. make those movies, yes. right? It, it is. It is absolutely weird. Like, and her, her filmography is like pretty great. 
Like, yes, throughout. it is great. I, she did Zero I, Dark Thirty too, mm-hmm. right? She does Zero Dark Thirty after this. I uh, Near love... Dark is is the movie that I stand super hard because if you love vampire movies, you should watch Near Dark. Oh, okay. Um, we talked about it a couple of years ago. It's really cool. It's basically uh, redneck vampires and also oh. vampirism as drug addiction with Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So mm-hmm. fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Everyone should watch it. Anyway. So I rewatched The Hurt Locker because I like especially, you know, movies that are super critically acclaimed and you get out of the time period, give it the 10 years to breathe and watch it again mm. and reevaluate it. And it's still fucking great. Cool. There are there are weird inaccuracies that soldiers complained about, you know, because basically they're being made to do all the shit that they should not have to do as ordnance disposal. They should not be clearing buildings. They should not be sniping people. Why are they like a three man army? OK, you're right. I got it. Cool. But it is still tense AF. Yeah. Really well done. Mm-hmm. They do handheld photography that does not drive you crazy like Blair Witch Project. It's it's done very subtly. And the characters are really interesting. Jeremy Renner is, he basically has a death wish. Like, he is super, super reckless. Mm-hmm. But also, like, he you get these little bits of humanity in him. And then it's like just it's there's weird commentary on on the iraq war we're kind of pro but kind of anti and every time also it's almost a running gag where every time a big celebrity shows up they're immediately killed Mm. (laughs) movie opens with guy pierce blown up yeah doesn't make it out of the scene ray fine shows up and you're like oh shit is that fucking ray fine oh my god his head yeah. Yeah. Looking um, at the cast list, it's a really interesting cast list mm-hmm. for a best movie winner because, I mean, who's in it? Evangeline Lilly. Like, ev- <laughs> yeah, Evangeline like Lilly us. from the Lost. <laughs> the Wasp is yeah. in it. Ugh. And, and then, I mean, David Morris, kind of who is always great. I like yeah, David Morris a lot. It, yeah. And then, just like when it gets to the end, basically, you know, well, his tour's over and he goes home. And there's only about three minutes, but it's like the best three minutes of the movie of him trying to adapt back to just like, I'm at the supermarket looking at my wife wants me to get cereal. My God, there's just so much fucking cereal. What the fuck am I supposed to do? I don't mm-hmm. understand this, but I do understand these wires make me go boom. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it is. Anthony Mackie is really, really good. And it. it's it's still it, it held up. It's not perfect and it's not a documentary. But it is a damn good movie about men in war. Hmm. That's awesome. Yes. It's good you to hear totally that it holds it. up. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now. If you can go watch it. It's mm-hmm. really good. Ooh, so uh, a movie I was afraid to say held up. Because I stand up for this movie all the time. Me too. Uh, I, I will counter <laughs> that narrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, most people do. Jason Schwartzman, Jonah Hill, Eric Bana, Leslie Mann, Seth Rogen. And I think it's like the movie debut of Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Adam Sandler in Funny People. I want you to do me a favor. What? Kill me. What? I'm sick. Don't make me suffer. Can you at least give me like a night to think about it? Ha! You would do it! You're a murderer! Are you crying right now? I don't think I am. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good talking to you. (laughs) I don't want to get your hopes up, but we may have beaten this thing. Did anybody ever tell you your accent's very thick? I've been trying to build this cabinet I bought from you guys for like six months. (laughs) Yeah, that's very funny. Still making me giggle. I know. And, and everyone's I I I we've we yelled about this a lot on the Laser Time Network that this movie is like an hour too long. Yeah. Because oh, well. people cannot stop improving. It's a Judd Apatow. It is with kind <laughs> so, of a, a twist ending because like it's Adam Sandler as just Adam Sandler, which I think mm-hmm. is the coolest thing about it. It's mm-hmm. his weird weirdo, like not quite weird enough JCVD. 
where right. he's just himself. But pretty close. But gets cancer or yeah. some some disease. I forget what. But like, cancer. But they don't tell you. It's like there's an hour of the movie where like he's not sick anymore. It's a tumor. It's, <laughs> it is a tumor. Is it a tumor? It's cancer. I can't remember. I don't know. I can't remember. Because I've seen it a bunch of times. I just haven't. Me too. Um, yeah, I haven't wanted to. I haven't felt compelled to watch it again. It is a long. Mm. So, yeah, he gets cancer. He and Diana. You watched this more recently? Did you watch uh, it? Yeah, I hadn't seen it before, so uh, I watched it for this, and um, I did not care for it. Okay. There are about three or four movies going on here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. that's true. If they just picked maybe two, but there's just too many, it just feels so indulgent and rambling. It's, so, it's two and a half hours long, man. Indulgent so, is a good word. I think that, too, uh, I would feel that way about this if I watched it now. But when I was when I saw it when it first came out and then I bought the DVD and I was watching it, that's how I feel about This is 40, which mm-hmm. was her ne- mm-hmm. was his next film. Judd and I was like, mm-hmm. Judd Apatow's next film. And I was like, enough. Enough mm-hmm. of white people in beautiful houses <laughs> with their, yeah. like... Uh, Developed world problems. Well, I, I, can I tell you why? I, I, I like it just being a, a like a, at this point, who wasn't a Judd Apatow fan? Right. And he mm-hmm. grew up, like kind of came up with Adam Sandler mm-hmm. and they'd never collaborated on anything other than like, don't mess with the Zohan. I think maybe yeah. maybe he wrote that script. Or well, something. and this is what this it, is it opens, with home, opens with his home movies, home movies right? of Adam Sandler making a like a, a prank Doing phone call in front of Janine Garofalo right. and shit. And it's like a real thing. And it's Adam Sandler playing Adam Sandler. And I think so. One of the reasons I like this is uh, uh, I was in. To Judd Apatow. Like, mm-hmm. I was into yeah. Judd Apatow because uh, uh, Inc- he made Anchorman happen. Mm-hmm. He was on the Larry Sanders show. Yep. Uh, I, I, like, just loved that dude and loved watching him become famous with 40-Year-Old Virgin and then keep on going. And knocked up, yep. And then, and then he decided, like, to go back to stand-up comedy and make a movie about stand-up comedy, something I like very, very, very much. Same. And, and I think this hit me right at the right time because mm-hmm. I was trolling the A Special Thing forums mm-hmm. and... Not trolling. Sorry, that's not the right word. I was mm-hmm. reading and being on the special thing dot uh, com forums mm-hmm. and trying to consume all stand up comedy that I could possibly consume, um, especially mm-hmm. within this world. And so it was so fun for me to watch this movie with someone like my some of my friends or my mom and being able to be like recognize every person on. Oh. That's true. There are a ton of stand There's so many people on here that but I'm like, set this guy, this guy. Anything. Yeah, well, that's that's another thing is that like uh, some of these people are either going back to stand up or doing stand up for their first time. Mm-hmm. Aubrey mm-hmm. Plaza is doing it for the first time. Seth Rogen's going back to it. Adam hey, Sandler's- boy, bump that sweater <laughs> off your shoulders. It's, I still remember that from she's her fucking set. hysterical. Yeah, she's good. And so, so that's what I, I wanted to say as a bookend to and, Blair Witch Project. Okay, the absolute last time. Something that that makes me feel really old that involves the internet is going to a movie's website Mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we used to do. I will Mm -hmm. not follow a movie's promotional anything anymore. In fact, try and avoid it like the fucking plague. Yeah, you're basically forced to to at this point. But like this was so great. I'm trying to see if laughyourdickoff.com is still there because that's where Aziz Ansari's... (laughs) Randy. 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 There's like a full 40-minute set of him just doing... Terrible, great stand-up with a DJ punctuating every yep. joke. It's fucking awesome. I remember showing like this to my mom, the mm-hmm. Randy like special features, like the, yes. just the Randy set, and being like, 
mom, this is so funny. Like, this is amazing. And she was like, I hate this. I hate every <laughs> second of this. Yeah, and I was like, I know you're supposed to. Isn't that, it amazing? It's sort of the point. Is that he's like, no. This is a hopelessly likable comedian who's sort of cheating. Yeah. Uh, but it's also Aziz Ansari playing himself at like 11 or 12. I mean, and, he's playing himself on Parks and Rec in a way too. With it, one mm, of two Parks yeah. and Rec cast members, by the way, in yeah. this in this main ensemble. And again, I think it's I don't know if you like stand up and Judd Apatow, like you're gonna. It's hard not to like this movie. I feel but like this movie I, is. And how about they go do a stand up tour and film it? That's on the DVD, and this is great. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. great. Well, like so- I would rather watch that because, like I said, we got a couple different movies here. We've got. Um, uh, older stand-up takes a young stand-up under his wing is kind of a thing. Yes. So, and there's a couple points where I thought it was going to turn into Comedy Sunset Boulevard, and now I realize that needs to be a movie, <laughs> Comedy Sunset Boulevard. For real, that would be amazing. For real. There's also a lonely celebrity realizes he has no actual friends. And tries to becomes... reconnect with his old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right, then there's a movie where it's just him trying to get his old girlfriend back. Mm-hmm. And what's fun was me trying to find a trailer because all of these movies have trailers. Yeah. But that's not. And then there's you know, celebrity be, tries to insinuate himself into group of friends movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's sort there's of, also there's the up and, Seth- up and coming losers uh, Seth- sharing an apartment. Yes. Is almost a movie. Seth yeah. Rogen is in love with a girl who's also banging his roommate movie that is also in who's there. Who's the girl? Like, Aubrey remember. Plaza. Oh, it's Aubrey yeah. Plaza. Okay. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's it was, been a while since like, like it. I said, halfway through the movie, that's when he stops having cancer. Mm-hmm. So two of our movies have kind of ended, and then now it's moved into the insinuating himself into a group of friends movie because he realizes how lonely he is, and then the whole last half of the movie is him trying to get his old girlfriend back even though she is married with adorable kids in a gigantic house apparently in Sausalito so they're mm-hmm. trillionaires the, it's interesting <sighs> though because there are parts of all of that that I really loved like right. I really loved um, the whole Friendsgiving part of it and like mm-hmm. Adam Sandler's character so realizing I'm too old for this this <laughs> is not going to be my life actually um, yeah. I loved the whole I wish that it had concentrated more on the fact when he found out he didn't have cancer Mm -hmm. and then he kind of changed again Mm -hmm. and kind of went back to his old ways. And there's this scene, I mean, the scene where Leslie Mann, his romantic interest, his girlfriend that he's trying to get back Mm -hmm. is like, you know, they're having a fun romantic time kind of in a way while her husband's away. And she's so excited about her kid. Judd Apatow's kid, by the way. And his wife. Um, and his wife. And she puts on her kid's, like, performance of Cats. And, you know, this is like a home video of her child that she's really proud of. And Adam Sandler's I think his name is George. He's, <laughs> like, looking at his phone. And she gets, like, really upset with him. Like, I thought you cared, you know. And it was it, the idea is, like, I thought you cared about me and wanted to be integrated in my life. And he can't Can you imagine let how go of his ego. react and, to a like, video of cats care. 10 years later? Yeah, well, <laughs> the video of a middle schooler performing memory, like, honestly, yeah, I'd watch. It's a smile and nod. He just politely watched. Yeah. And that, that was one thing that it as it got real, to the end of the movie that was like, I found interesting that, yeah, he was going back to being a self-centered piece of shit. Right. Whereas at the end, oh, he's still a piece of shit. He's right. got better. Right. And then he went right back back and no she shouldn't be with him no. everyone should leave him he should die alone fuck your fish man movie <laughs> or your baby movie i didn't mean this young i love yeah. all the fake 
on the website they had all their fake movie trailers. Yes. Like it was so much fun. It was, all these movie trailers making fun of real Adam Sandler movies. Oh, right. Which real. I was hoping would show it shows a self-awareness and that like this is the pivot point where he could go do something better with his life. But no. Bullshit. The man learned nothing. I'm I that's uh, why I don't hate it. Not, is this movie it, not super true to life though? I mean like It's true to life, but this is this is good Sandler. No, this is punch drunk love Sandler. And 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 it, it it introduced him back to stand up for the first time in decades. And yes, ten it took ten years, but his Netflix stand up special is excellent. It's one of the best stand up specials of last year. Yeah. And I say that as someone who okay. grew up loving Adam Sandler and found nothing but reasons to hate him throughout my entire mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm I'm very happy to see Adam Sandler do something good. And this and is yet, something a little good. I honestly like I can't be mad at him because what the fuck? The dude just likes money and he just <laughs> wants to do his thing. Well, he has to support yeah. like well, nine hundred friends. Differences. I, I don't think that Adam Sandler is a, a lonely piece of crap like George. What's his name is? I mean, mm-hmm. it's everyone says he's the nicest guy. He's so giving to his friends because he keeps putting him in his fucking terrible movies. Uh, you know, everyone says it's like, yeah, I don't think that he is personally lonely, but he does make terrible movies. So is he telling us that he understands us or is he rubbing it in our fucking faces? And just just pick one of these movies and flesh it out. And I would probably love it. I mean, I... it just keeps Go two and a half hours. It's longer than Star Wars. <laughs> it is too long. It is extremely self indulgent for mm-hmm. sure. I think that um, I like the whole thing of him going back to being an asshole, though, because I do think that that's that's a true thing that happens. Right. That's, that's, yeah. like, that's, what, that's that what happens when the cameras real. turn off. Yeah, and that's yeah, what happens. I'm really glad they did not like make, spoiler alert. Yeah, mm-hmm. happy ending and everything's right. great for them. Yeah, right. I I felt that felt really real to me but yeah i mean like you in 2009 you could not have made a more sarah movie at this point like oh great (laughs) stand-up comedy i'm super into it like all these actors and stand-up comedians i can like go to this movie with my friends and be like you know who that is because i do I also know who that person mm-hmm. is. I also know who that person is. Like, I love all of that. The in-jokes, you know, that you only... I, I mean, the whole Randy, the idea of Randy is just like mm-hmm. a, a thing that I think you have to appreciate if you're really into stand-up comedy to be funny. Like, otherwise... Yeah. No, I'm not saying that I hated every second of it. There was a ton of stuff, like individual scenes or lines or bits or right. subplots. You know, yeah. Did the I whole part yeah, with, of course they did. The whole part with Eminem and Ray Romano... It, that shit is awesome. <laughs> yes. It's so good. Okay, thank you, Marshall. <laughs> you fucking looking at me? <laughs> so, I love that. That was so funny to me. I, I, I mean, there's too many moments in this movie to, to movie, hate. But well, I, really I don't know. Like I, if I'm speculating, I think like at this point, Judd Apatow, he was always trying to change and he had a big star in his movie for the first time because like Seth Rogen was kind of his guy who mm-hmm. was a relative unknown mm-hmm. and uh, and I think he was he's being a little Woody Allen-ish who is if mm. Woody Allen is defined by overly indulgent mm-hmm. and like not giving a yes. fuck about modern audiences Ooh. see and, I think but I yes I think he is being a little bit overindulgent but I feel like it really hits its apex with this it does oh he didn't make it he didn't he made like two more movies after this yeah and but it produces a ton of stuff and makes a bunch of like and helps glad, produce a bunch of I'm things that are fun. I'm glad he's taking a little break to like produce and like get some stories. He's got his next special out. Judd Apatow fucking rules. His no, book I mean is like great. with making like narrative movies. Like I, I'm glad mm. he's taking yeah. a little break from writing his own story because I, I wish people were more receptive to that. But then like other than Woody Allen, my generation has been very unreceptive mm-hmm. to that type of indulgent like 
No, no, I want to see this movie where the dialogue is a certain way. I don't want every movie to sound like a Judd Apatow movie, mm -hmm. but I like mm -hmm. it when he does it. Mm -hmm. I like seeing funny people who are friends riff with one another. Right. And like for scenes that go on way longer than they need to, because mm -hmm. I'm not that concerned about story right. as I am about being on this funny trip with being these people. Being in this world, yeah. being in this world that he yeah. builds. And so, yeah. and that's why I compliment the DVD special features. And the I'm sad to report laughyourdickoff.com is no longer available. Aww. But that's where you can see all, no. all the Aziz Ansari stuff. I thought like the minutia all around this movie was just as funny as the movie. And I think, yeah, I think that maybe my thing that I feel the most fondly about is the minutia of it. The mm. like little. Mm. The jokes that you would get. That's it, why it, I, said, like I was saying said, the book in like Blair Witch Project, like being involved in the website was part of the fun. Mm -hmm. And it was that mm -hmm. way with this. I have not done this since this movie in particular. Mm -hmm. Be, uh, like ever engaged in a movie's website. I can't even fucking imagine. Like even Marvel doesn't like do this kind of promotional shit anymore. Right. So like, yeah. I, well, they do, but it's like all like AR that you can do it's on all your like phone. Jimmy Kimmel and like <laughs> yeah. you can go see it there. But like, I even remember like Fight Club had like if you open up the DVD, there's a bunch of like the stuff they shot for the internet that you may never have seen with Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and mm -hmm. Helen Bonham Carter. It's it's interesting. It used to be interesting. We had all the time in the world and very few choices, but like we're not there anymore. <laughs> right. So I understand why people get aggressive about a two and a half hour movie where a story that is like. Yeah, pretty incongruous and yes. and and, mm -hmm. and goes all over the place. But I don't know. I've never really been there for the story. Like if every time I think about the ending That's, of Knocked Up, I'm like, yes. I don't care about that at all. It's like yes. everything that happened before cool. that. Who gives a shit? Yeah, how the no, movie the story ended. story is a framework mm -hmm. for other stuff, mm -hmm. and it's a it delivery a mechanism for dick jokes from Jewish people. It was a lot of dick jokes. My God, they just cannot stop talking about dicks. Now, I understand, guys, you love your dicks, and you love discussing They're awesome. them with each other. I mean, Diana, we just have to start talking about our vaginas more. Yes! I think that's the yep. only answer. Oh, God, we would That'll just... stop them. That's for you damn sure. You know he's doing They'll a lot shut of... shut up real fast. Or... I just... Hey, everyone... Man, I was just jumping up and down my labia or just doing crazy shit today. <laughs> Nobody believes that. This doesn't sound like something Diana actually did. You ever, you ever been on a trampoline, get your labia stuck on the basketball pole? Like, no, no one's ever, that, that's not going to work. Well, one, I do I'm have to say, if we're going to talk about like women doing vagina work on stage, sure. I have to absolutely recommend Obvious Child with Jenny Slate. <laughs> she does some fantastic vagina jokes. Like, she's a stand-up yeah. comedian in the, the movie, and I've seen this movie a bunch of times. My favorite abortion comedy. Phenomenal. Yeah. This movie's phenomenal. Obvious Child is fantastic, mm -hmm. and she does a great some great vagina work. But, um, but I also have to say, too, to talk about, go back to uh, funny people a little bit, the the quote unquote love story between Adam Sandler and Leslie Mann too, I thought was it's, it's like hard. Like what you're saying, it's like a bunch of different movies in one and they're not mm. all bad movies. I don't mm. think I do no. like the, the love, love story part of it too, because she doesn't end up with him right. and Eric Bana plays her husband and he's not a bad guy. He's the not a bad man. husband. He's no, kind of perfect. He's actually. He's got problems, yeah. but overall he seems like a good guy. Yeah. And there's yeah. hope there. He just seems like a little obnoxious, but because he's speaking like Chinese to his children at the my, dinner table. I think I talked about yeah. it that way with forgetting Sarah Marshall in but, terms of ways that reflected when I would try and go back and reconnect. And this was a period when I was like, I moved out mm -hmm. of the, the state and I was trying to reconnect 
with people I had a strong connection with because I couldn't develop a strong connection with new people. I want, reflected on the strong connections of old people. And this is the first movie I saw where like that is destined to fail. Mm-hmm. It'll be magical for like two months and then everything that was that was wrong will come back and all these new things you couldn't think about will present themselves as problems as well. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen a movie tackle that before because that's yeah. something I think, I, I, I'm, I'm sure women do it too, but I think dudes do it more. High fidelity is about that. Yes, and mm-hmm. and and like so I do, I've done it plenty. I, yeah, it's I'm in a different phase of my life, so hopefully I won't do it again. I've seen it. <laughs> yes, Cher has seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. Uh, but I don't know. That's that's why I appreciated that part of the movie, even though it's like it does feel really disjointed to the the rest of the movie, which is a lot of disparate parts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's not very cohesive. I still love it though. I, yeah. I think it's four different movies and I would have loved each one if they yeah. had taken the time to each one get fleshed out and each one like look at these things. Mm-hmm. I, I just hate that I, I don't have... I probably would have liked each one. I don't have a comparison. Shove them all together. Other than Woody Allen, which is not good given the people listening to us, but it's like that <laughs> dude would make constantly flawed movies that his audience yeah. could appreciate right. and people didn't complain about. And then once every 10 years, you would make something that was that was like universal, got universal acclaim. Other than that, he like made I make Woody Allen movies Mm -hmm. in a voice and a tone and a a speed and a dialogue that no other movie has. And and I just thought it was why can't Kevin Smith and Judd Apatow keep making these things? They don't have to make good movies. They can make good (laughs) movies for them. No, I think Judd Apatow, though, has cracked the code Mm -hmm. because he is producing great things that are in his voice, but finding Mm -hmm. other people who could maybe uh, do it better or do it in a more accessible way. I mean, I love... read his book. I I love Love, the... the, Netflix show I love girls. and that yeah love girls of course I mean I love I love most of the things that I love he produces. Pee-wee's big holiday yeah <laughs> he has a specific voice that he's right now I'm just glad that he's taking a break from yeah really isn't. making the, these kinds of oh, movies yes. though is what I'm yes. saying I don't know I kind of miss his voice it's still there, I, I though. I, I don't that's see... what I'm saying. It's still there in the things that he produces and stuff. He just he just needs he needs some time to get a new train story. wreck. Is a, is a, is a yeah. yeah. Train wreck was great. Mm-hmm. I loved train yeah. wreck. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Moving on to television anyway. of 2009. <laughs> I think we said. Enough I know. I have to pee. It. We uh, almost yeah. said as much as the movie is long. Yeah. Right. See, <laughs> how can you talk about that movie this much and have it like be completely bad? Yeah. It, exactly. uh, no, I'm not saying it's completely bad. I know. I know. I, I know you're not. But yeah. I, under, I understand people who go in to watch movies with stories and like, mm. yeah, it's not going to be the best for you. But like there were a ton of movies like that before Judd Apatow that got critical acclaim and people sort of understood this is this type of movie. And like for some yeah, reason, well, if, even if though Judd Apatow never made this right. type of movie, all of a sudden funny people had to be that. Yeah, look, I can stand rambling movies. I can stand, you know, road movies, picaresque movies that are really episodic or just – just character studies where nothing really happens, but I feel like I get to know a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is just, it's just, just, hey, look at my, me and my friends hanging out. Mm. Like, well, I don't need to pay you for that. All Looks right. like you had fun on your own. Uh, see, I don't mind it because I like him and his friends and I want to see. And I, I, I was laughing during it, but I was also like. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> well, it was work. Um, that's true it was homework so everyone hates homework it's also fun to like talk about that when we are doing a podcast which is friends hanging out talking about things (laughs) (laughs) should I talk about my dick now yes 
Okay. Sorry, it took you this long. Let me do some vagina work here. <laughs> yep. Having a vagina is great because sometimes you don't have a bottle opener with you. Oh dang! <laughs> there. Yes. Try. Some I just made that. Sometimes having a vagina is great because sometimes you just don't want to make as much money as your counterpart <laughs> who has a I, dick. I still think I could struggle, smuggle more drugs in my asshole. Sometimes we should put that to the test. Oh, I know that's. I'm mm. sure that's true. I'm, well, I guess relative size. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, television. Well, I'm so glad we're moving on to television. <laughs> well, I, what the fuck is this? So this is a real state of the union of television in 2009 <laughs> uh, because. On the 1st of August, we get Face the Ace premieres on NBC, hosted what? by Steve Shrippa. Do you know who that is? Bobby Baklava. Bobby Baklava. Oh. <laughs> I think it's time you seriously consider salads. <laughs> something Tony said to him, one of the fattest people in the world, making fun of Steve Shrippa. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Ali Najid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's a poker game show basically <laughs> so basically forgot about that aspect of the 2000s yeah right poker craze. that's yeah. what i'm saying it's a real state of the union because god poker was everywhere and i fucking hate it so much mm-hmm. um but yeah <laughs> the amateurs basically uh qualified in a tournament a free tournament hosted by full tilt poker and then <laughs> they got were able to get on the show and they got to choose four different doors and behind each door was a poker professional and then they played like a one-on-one Texas Hold'em round. I don't know how this works, but basically that's what they did. It's Iron Chef with carts? Yes. <laughs> so way more boring. And, and on NBC? Yeah. Oh. It only went, I think, for six episodes. Um, but yeah, afterwards they were able to... You know, take them. They, I think, like the first round, if they won, they got two hundred thousand dollars, and they could go on to another round, mm-hmm. and wow. and like give up the two hundred and go to another round, and ultimately, I think, winning a million, maybe potentially. But Man. yeah, that's where we are in two thousand nine. A primetime television program about poker, poker. and that's the only show. <laughs> that's the only show. Hey, but you know what? Video games, big week for uh, my boys at Capcom. Uh, kind of, kind of interesting. Nothing, nothing new, but every mm-hmm. system under the sun gets a little something to be happy about. Bionic Commando. There's a lot to like about that game. It hits the PC. Marvel versus Capcom Two, a fantastic game. Everyone thought was dead forever, and Sarah's mm-hmm. whimpering because of the people she dated who played that game constantly. Who also love poker. Who also love poker. Marvel vs. Capcom Two uh, hits XBLA, a game everyone thought was gone forever that now people can play online and, and buy and play online. It's just amazing that it came back for real because it was there are a lot of rights involved that we assume would yeah. never happen. And Resident Evil Four, one of the greatest games ever, hits iOS like a GameCube, PlayStation Two game hits iPhone. That's crazy, and it's good. Mm-hmm. It worked, uh, unlike a lot of other games that were ported to iOS. But uh, also in games, a game I. I have to admit now, I never played, but I think it was big for PlayStation fans. Fat Princess? Don't even know what oh, it is. I've played Fat Princess. Yeah? What's Fat Princess? What's that? It's kind of like Capture the Flag, mm. where it's like right. you've got like your princess and you have to like pick, you know, you just like go over and like pick up this other fat princess and try to bring her back. But I think like you also feed your princess cake so she gets fatter so she's harder to take. <laughs> Something like that. Sounds like a fetish game. Yeah, it sounds yes. like something that can't exist. Yeah, today. I remember watching, being like, "Oh, there is someone out there that it is, it is tapping into something in them that they're never going to be able to understand. It's awakening something and within them." We also have this week a sequel to 
massive asterisk, the best-selling game of all time. One of the best-selling mm-hmm. games of all time. Wii Sports Resort, mm-hmm. baby. Nope. Wii Sports Resort. Escape to reality with the new precision of Wii Motion Plus. Rated E for everyone. Oh. Escape to reality. That sounds like an evil corporation <laughs> slogan. Very, this, I'm very suspicious of this. But I mean, we all touched a Wii remote, right? Yes, I've touched one. And uh, and I forgot to mention that Wii Motion Plus came out this like a, a month ago. And when mm-hmm. I don't know, I remember how I got I got my I remember my job interview to work at a, a video gaming company. That I said I'm so excited about the fucking Wii. We've had PC gamers claiming a mouse is the best way to play a video game for all this time. What about a fucking wand, man? It's just more natural to play a shooter or a tennis game. This the Wii's gonna revolutionize everything. And we get it in like it's a glorified D-pad. I hold up to hit up. I hold right to hit right. It's not one one. You can't have a real sword fight. You're mm-hmm. not really playing golf. It's just like it's just this illusion of an analog stick, like in your hand, like in your hand is a wand. So to fix that, Nintendo released a Wii Motion Plus. Like, no, now it is one one. You, but remember, like the Wii came out, people were throwing their remotes through the televisions. They created a condom for the Wii remote and a wristband. <laughs> yes. So yes. So they had to make new condoms <laughs> for, so you could stick this Wii Extra Motion sensitive. Plus thing under. Like I've been. They I've made ha- a lambskin. I've had one forever, and I've been chewing. I, I can't stop chewing on it. I like. <laughs> I-, I-, I never put it on my remote. I, I can't stop chewing on my Wii Motion Plus rubber <laughs> oh, condom. We are really tapping tapping into something here. This I got. There was less of a response when I talked about out. my abortions. Like <laughs> you chewed on plastic, <laughs> you rogue. Uh, like, <laughs> like <laughs> but but this is the big Wii Motion Plus push for Wii Sports Resorts. Wii Sports was a pack-in for the Wii, so technically, since that system sold so much, it's one of the best-selling games ever. Mm-hmm. Not true, not fair, but like, it's been 10 years, and now you see a ton of Wii Sports memes because everybody played the bowling game. Everybody did. Everybody yeah, it's pl- true. I played it. And this is the yeah. only sequel, and like, it it didn't... It Oh, it turns out, no one really liked this. It was just the first game on this weird thing, mm-hmm. and it kind of shit the bed. But I, I, that's why I love mentioning it. It's two things that Nintendo kind of boneheaded. Um, well, it's probably still being played in nursing homes and rehab centers for true. people to regain their mm-hmm. medium so, motor skills. I think someone in the laser time community said like they did something in exchange for his mother-in-law to hook up Wii Fit. Mm-hmm. That's like two Nintendos ago. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. They still think you still think that's gonna work? Play Beat Saber. That'll fucking that'll give you an exercise. And that is about it for our show. Um, you can find more at lasertimepodcast.com. But remember, we are supported by patreon.com slash lasertime. Hey, we got a commentary from Deep Blue Sea. Tyler Wilder, our old buddy, is is uh talking on bonus time. We give you an exclusive show every single week with uh new and old faces. Um, and it's uh been really fun. We had to delete our first episode. That was interesting. Um that's it. Ten years of doing podcasts, never had to delete an episode. Uh whoops a daisy. And but so that's why you want to be a patron. You never know when something's going to disappear because we think we're safe behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also, uh, if you like Friday the Thirteenth, you can hear all about Jason goes uh, Jason takes Manhattan and all ten other movies from the Friday the Thirteenth series and all seven other Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And who knows? Maybe we'll actually do Child's Play this year mm-hmm. if Lizzie's down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and, and uh, a ton of, like over a hundred other movie commentaries weekly show. 
Hopefully some more movie commentaries coming your way. And do not forget about Laser Time, which recently we talked about Mad Magazine, killer robots, and then the encroaching of AI into our lives. How, how, how that killer robots turns out not to be that big of an issue. It was more like robot brains mm-hmm. that tend to be a big problem for us right now. Not the actual <laughs> robot. We're not fighting off robots. Uh, we might when those boss we talk about it anyway and uh, and Comic Con we've talked about that kind of stuff so listen to that show and uh, every week on Friday Video Game Apocalypse uh, it's going to be super super fun this week I believe I don't want to tell you what it is because I don't want to spoil it but we do uh, a, a kind of a timeless an evergreen kind of top five based on certain criteria and we talk about news and uh, new releases and all that stuff every single week with Mr. Diana Goodman Mike Roparas and Maddie Allen and myself and that is about it for me Patreon.com slash laser time. Just want to plug that again. Price of a cup of coffee can uh, help support your favorite podcast network or your fourth favorite podcast network you don't want to see go away. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Diana, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at listenernerd, L E C I N E N E R D, or follow the show at 302010 podcast, 30201 podcast. Next week is fucking insane. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. I like usually I tease what's coming up. You know, and people can like do homework or they can watch it too, whatever. There's just too freaking much. Just in 1999, yeah, there is like uh, 18 movies, and like most of them are good, and a couple of them are like actual classics. And mm-hmm. one of them's on the AFI best 100 films of all time list. And Jesus Christ, they're all worthy to talk about for sure. Oh my God. As we close out 302010, if you didn't know, because you never listened this far, because you skipped the plugs, we do a quiz. Uh, mm-hmm. But before that, we have to do Who Died? Well, deaths this week. We only have the one, but in 2009, we lost quarters on Aquino. She was 76. Uh, she was the first woman president of the Philippines, uh, mm. taking over in the people power revolution, getting rid of fucking Ferdinand Marcos and his dumb sunglasses. Thank God it all worked out for the Philippines. Um. Uh, <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, uh. Yeah, well, let me lecture you about colonialism for a while. <laughs> anyway. You want to do birthday quiz? Birthday! Birthdays. I did very bad about at, at this recently. I have to. I know, I love it. It's been terrible. I love it. Well, you get you get two chances this time because oh, we have one guy. Uh, there is a theme between these two guys. Okay. And it's not just that they're birthday buddies. They're born on the same day. But I would feel like a dick if I didn't mention that August 1st, 1819. What? <gasps> it's a bicentennial. Oh. Uh, he wrote Taipei a peep. At Polynesian Life and its sequel, Omu, A Narrative of Adventures in the South Seas. Sarah, take it. It's talk, they're talking about books. Um, he also wrote a Charles couple Darwin? other books. No. Oh. <laughs> a couple other books about boats, uh, including Billy Budd and Oh, Melville. There you go. It is. This Herman, Herman Melville. Herman Bicentennial. Oh, I only know this. The bane of literature students everywhere because he takes like 17 pages to say anything. I can't. And also, I only know this because I was... I've never been forced to read Moby Dick, but I was forced nope. to read Billy Budd in middle Me too. school. Why? In middle school? God, in I did that like school. senior year in high school. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, it seriously is like 14 pages to say he spilled soup and felt bad. Dude, in middle school, the middle school I went to, I was forced to read Billy Budd, The Good Earth, Things Fall Apart, oh. Nectar oh and a Sieve, Thomas Paine's Common Sense. <sighs> I was like private school. I went to a very serious <laughs> <laughs> middle school. Yeah. You went to a good school. Dude. Yeah. Well, you know I, I had that? to read most of those again in high school. I'm going to guess you read mm. that instead of Moby Dick because less whale sex. Yes. I haven't read Moby Dick. Mm. I don't know. And that. also. There's a hundred pages on whale biology. Not a fan of Melville. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, but 
I feel like I should mention it because, you know, I, I love when we that. actually hit like a bicentennial or something. Throw a bone to a reader. That's nice. Yeah. A whale bone. Anyway, 160 years later, <laughs> this guy is born August 1st, 1979. So happy 40th birthday. Ooh. He was born in Honolulu, which mm-hmm. a peep at Polynesian life. Uh, after his parents split up, he's raised in Iowa because his mom is the devil. Barack Obama. Good guess, but no, he's more than <laughs> Uh, oh, he moved, back to, Shit. he moved back to <laughs> Hawaii and began modeling, where he got a role on Baywatch Hawaii and then Stargate Atlantis. MacGyver? No. That's you not think MacGyver's 40? No, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> no. I meant the new MacGyver, the weird long-haired one. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, God. No. The guy from, wait, the guy from Fresh Off the Boat? The dad? What's his name? No. Randall Park. Nope. Damn. Good guess, though. I like Randall Park. I love mm-hmm. him. Um, you might want to know, I was curious, he's got a big old scar on his face, it's really noticeable, and it's because he got slashed with a bottle in a bar fight requiring 100 stitches. Uh, mm. is, it, is it Omar? Omar. Nope. <laughs> no. That's a good guess, though, because he guess. does have a hell of a scar. Mm-hmm. Um, we literally have never talked about any of his movies on this show, because he only became popular in, like, 2011. Okay. Um, but current and upcoming roles... He played people named Kai and Roman and Spider. Oh. Uh, Duncan Idaho coming up. Rocker of Pink Velvet, Arthur Curry, and Cal Drogo. Oh, oh Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. I gave it to you. Yeah, right. He's Hawaiian? <laughs> yeah, he's Hawaiian. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, Dude, that <laughs> man rocked Pink Velvet so hard at the Oscars. Yes. It was the best thing. The it's scrunchy. Like, the scrunchy. The like, pink velvet scrunchy. He seriously scrunchy. would like, have to shoot a puppy for me to not think he's cool for that. All right. Yeah, I'm sure Diana thinks Jason Momoa is very cool. <laughs> and that's the extent <laughs> of your feelings Because he wore pink velvet uh-huh. with matching scrunchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that about concludes our show. Got to say, it's it, our show is executive produced by Tim Fuse. Fuse. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Timmy. Hey, and many other fine Tim. people at patreon.com slash laser time. Consider donating your five bucks to us. We'd really appreciate it more than any of the other shows you listen to. And if you donate enough, maybe we'll mispronounce your name on another episode. True. Maybe we'll go back to doing our comment show on a regular basis, but it's been very hard lately. You don't pay us enough. <laughs> don't put this on them. Sure, I can. We need the motivation, too. Uh, we, we got lives uh, anyway anyway uh, Diana what's taking us out uh, let's go with Knock You Down by Carrie Hilson featuring Kanye and Neyo which is on the charts this week in 2009 mm-hmm. oh man please come back next week for people not this is not a drill we're talking about Young Einstein <laughs> put up the Einstein big clique like that we have with stupid hair put it in the sky the Einstein signal is lit <laughs> I never thought I'd